Hello and welcome back to the Golden Gizmo, the 22 Golden Gizmos this year. This is the 22nd pay, Golden pay Gizmos no that we've done. Shut up, pay no attention to the year that this is being released in, uh, because as has been well documented, um, if anybody coughs in the tri-state re- uh, region that George is currently <laughs> residing in, he's going to get horribly sick. Uh there is something going around. I cannot stress enough oh, that there is something going around. There's always something going around with you. Oh, that's true. I've I look, I typically never Evil. get like head cold sick, and yet three times this year I've gotten a horrible cold and I've gotten COVID once this past year, so Alright, well, the point is this is uh the Golden Gizmos for the year twenty twenty two. Uh Boy, this year sucked, huh? <laughs> Larry, I'm excited to share my list with you because I know that it's going to piss you the fuck off. I, I, at this point, I don't care. Like my, a... I'm not happy with my list either. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been such an anemic year, and yet the five that I have chosen for my list for the Golden Gizmos, I know is going to get under your skin so much. Because even though there was such like a, a drought of games... I still managed to pick ones that are going to irritate you. Probably. Um, uh, I stand by my list, though. Every choice that I have made with mine is a game that I enjoyed tremendously this year. Uh, so the the thing for me is the stuff I enjoyed the most this year were ones that I don't count as eligible. Uh, like remasters, remakes, those um, don't count to me. Plus a bunch of your weirdo fetish games. What's that? Uh, we'll get to it. I'm pretty sure I know what your number one is. Yeah, it's not a fetish game, but... Um... Disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yes, I will say, uh, because of that for the first time, I have an entry in Best Old Game as a category that usually is George's thing because he refuses yeah. to play anything that comes out. My list is going to piss you off so much. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, but why don't we go ahead and start? Oh, and I would also say the thing about this year is that pretty much everything that I was interested in came out in the last two months. So I haven't played a yeah. bunch of them. I haven't played Pentiment. Sorry to anybody listening who would really want to know what I think about it. I bet it's really good. It seems like exactly my sort of thing. Uh, I downloaded um, curse of the golden idol which seems like very much my thing i just started postal brain damaged which is very good mm. uh, that came out earlier but i didn't get around to playing it because it's not on sale until now uh anyway that's the point so yeah of the I, things i've played this is the list i had a similar thing going on uh where just the, the end of this year got real heavy with games I went to California, went to Disneyland, I touched all the handrails, I touched Swimming my mouth, pools, I got sick. Movie stars. <laughs> Paid $23 for blue milk. That's my vacation <laughs> report. Idiot. Uh, as a result, I did not get to play games like Tactics Ogre in time uh, for oh, the yeah. end of the year. Um, That's so, another one I bet I will like. Yeah, there's, there's some games I suspect might actually crack my top five that I just haven't been able to get around to, and that there were some that I put off because I was waiting for sales and they didn't hit an acceptable price to me until like the yeah. last couple months. So, so that was the thing with me and um, Return to Monkey Island, where honestly, the look of it really put me off, and so I was like, I'm mm-hmm. 
I don't care enough to buy this. It got added to Game Pass, but that was pretty recently. So I, I played some of that and it's pretty good so far, but like not enough for me to put it on a list. So, yeah. Well, George, you, you won the coin toss well, uh, before okay. we huh? started the show. Oh, okay. Just go with it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So the way that we're doing this for anyone who's not turned tuned into one of these before is uh, we each have a list of five games and we're just going to go back and forth. Some of our lists might have overlap and we'll just talk about them as they come up or there's one I suspect we'll put off to the end because I'm pretty sure my number one either major list earlier or not at all, maybe. So uh, Okay, well, um, I would also say for, for one thing, Whoever won the coin toss would probably go second, right? Because then their number one would be the last one. Sure, that's a good point. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real tight ship we run over here. Uh, uh, also notable, uh, we're only doing top fives this year because... Uh, well, we did top five last year, too. There's just not really enough. We Hopefully, probably could have done 10 last year, but this time, no. I'm sure next year, this generation will finally start, Larry. It actually seems like it. it like, yeah. Looking at the stuff coming out, there are actually things that I'm interested in. There's a lot more games that are coming out just for the current generation of hardware and not some sort of split generation thing. That too. Um, even though the series S and the switch will probably continue to hold stuff back for just a little bit. Uh, well, there is nothing on my list that was only on current gen. So, Ooh, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that would make in mind. Well, anyway. I, it, I, I guess it depends on if you count one of the consoles as current gen, which is dubious. <laughs> uh, but Okay. Sure. Uh, all right. We'll start off. Uh, my number five. Number oh. five. Thank you. Pocky and Rocky reshrined. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I told you price. right off the bat. <laughs> I knew it was going to piss you yeah, off. Yeah, I know. I expected this. I'm I, doing a bit. Pocky and Rocky, I, I really like the old games. Uh, I like overhead shooters like that. And I think Natsumi has been doing a really great job with their retro revivals. I finally sat down and played all of them this year. Uh, so they're uh wild guns remake that they did and then uh ninja ninja warrior ninja, ninja saviors yeah there's so many like ninja x things yeah. out there that i get them all twisted around um there was well, also a, ninja saviors reminds me of vampire savior yes I, I made that mistake uh in a joke to you a few days ago because they they also got twisted around in my head but um uh, uh, natsume i i think has done such a good job just kind of sticking to these mostly faithful remakes but with pocky rocky reshrined it opens up very early into its own game it's a actual proper sequel to the originals um which oh. i think there was a game boy advance sequel that came out i want to say probably like 2003 or something like that which was like the last proper pocky and rocky so it's been a long time um but it's great it, it plays fantastic i they made a bunch of quality of life improvements uh off those original games so the difficulty is not as rigid uh the characters feel very smooth to play as uh, it just feels better about accepting your inputs 
Um, the level design is terrific. It's very engaging. I found all the different characters that they give you to play as to be just a lot of fun and super varied to give you more reason to kind of go back and replay that thing. Uh, most arcade style games like this, I do like one run and I put it down. Uh, which is what I did with the Wild Guns remake they did. It's what I did with their Ninja whatever the fuck it's called remake that they did. Uh, but this one I did like a couple of runs through it, just toying around with the different characters, and I had a really great time with that. And just sprite art in it is is beautiful. I love the look and sound of the game. Uh, but it made number five because they covered up that one chick's cleavage, and obviously, you know, that's a, that's a problem for me. Okay. I did not know it was more than just a remaster of the original. It's a little deceptive because, yeah, that's what it's called retrined. Yeah. And that's what their thing has been so far. And for like the first two levels, it very much is just a straight remake. And then the whole almost like an elevator action returns. Sure. It's been a long time since I played that, so I don't know exactly. The opening the of re- opening of returns is like original elevator action in the building, and then okay. the building blows up, and it's like, oh, it's a different <laughs> game. Okay, I bought I bought a reproduction of that recently, and I should probably play more than like two minutes to go, huh? It works. It's great because it's like, oh, you thought this was your daddy's elevator action? No way! <laughs> Blap. Well, it's, I think I might have only ever played elevator action returns, so I maybe didn't really understand that it. Did you, you didn't play the two minutes required to uh, find out it's a side-scroller? Well, no, I don't think I played the original Elevator Action, is what I'm saying. Oh, I don't think I've I ever see. touched that. I, I've played Elevator Action Returns, I'm pretty sure, because isn't like the second level like a an airport or something yeah. like that? Okay, yeah, and I've played more than that first level. Um, You've enjoyed the exploits of Jad the Taff? Yeah. <sighs> One of the best video game character names of all time. What's like the 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 gore? It is like violence hard is one of yeah. the options. Yeah, I think so. Man, I need to sit down and play that repro disc. <laughs> Elevator action return sounds really cool. Uh, yeah, no, it, it the it gets into like a weird sort of like at the end of the second level, uh, Pocky gets sucked into a time warp, and so it's this weird thing of like you're experiencing that second game again but time has like gotten all screwed up so you're going into like different locations and stuff and like technically she's dead it's like a whole like snake way kind of thing where she's got to come back to life to fight the bad guy at the end it's neat okay it's very good uh i paid 30 dollars for that (laughs) (laughs) I got free, I got air quotes free shipping because I decided to bundle it with like a case of 50 AA batteries from GameStop (laughs) because I refuse to pay shipping for nothing. I would rather pay more for something else. All right. I'm a freak. What's your number five? My number five. You're not going to, okay, sure. Number five. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. I knew this was going to be on yours as soon as I saw the Lou Albano themed uh, Mario <laughs> Rabbids. Very good. Yeah. Well, all right. So my number five has kind of been shifting around because I was, wasn't sure about it. I will say the other uh, nominees, whatever you want to say, would would have been Evil Dead the game, which I enjoyed quite a bit when it came out and played a lot of it. 
And then they like messed with the balancing to the point where I would not recommend it. But at mm. the time, great game. Uh, it's good then, that we sorry to interrupt, but it's good that we've kind of dropped our best multiplayer category, even though this year actually had quite a few that we could like make a discussion out of because every multiplayer game I played, I dropped off of like so fast. Yeah, remember multiverses? That was a fun game to play for about three weeks, and then mm-hmm. the servers started shitting blood, and I decided I was done. We're gonna end up back in. Well, it was. I it was. Exactly... We'll be back in there when they add more characters. But considering yeah. the state of Warner Brothers, who knows? Yeah. Anyway, uh, another possible entry was uh, Midnight Suns, which I like quite a bit when playing like the actual levels in it. But everything between those levels is a chore. And I don't know why they didn't just make it a menu instead of making you run around the abbey and this thing. It's like, it's basically the MK11 crypt where you're huh. you're controlling your character and there's stuff around the grounds so you can find items and use words of power to open new paths. And I used a good. word of it's power a... on Twitter.com and I got my account suspended. How? I thought you're allowed to do that now. That was before he took over. Oh, okay. But he unbanned me, so it's fine. Oh. That's right. I'm wearing um, a Twitter suit now. I have pictures of him printed all over the, <laughs> the inside of the Like an even sadder Matthew Lesko. Yeah, I got uh, some boxers with Elon Musk's face in the middle of it, but it, it came out wrong, so it's like just one big print of his face. So like when I got to do my business, uh, my uh, cock just comes out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yes, Midnight Suns has very good combat. Uh, I like that part of it a lot. But you know what also has really good combat? Mario plus Rabbids. Uh, I like the first game quite a bit as well. Never finished it. Uh, it gets really hard at the Grant, end. So Grant I'm interested Kirkhope. to see if this one does too. Grant Kirkhope still doing the music on the second one? I think so. Okay. Sounds like it. If it's not, it's somebody doing a very good simulation. Mm. Um but yeah, it, it, it's still a tactics game, though it's not grid-based anymore. It works sort of like Valkyria Chronicles now, or uh, which like is a, interesting. It kind of, so I saw some footage Phantom of Brave, it. Was, maybe? seemed like a XCOM. Well, the first one is, like, XCOM is grid-based. No, the new XCOM games, are those yes. grid-based? Yes. God, it's been such a long time since I played them. I thought that they well, were... The, the proximity. grid is hidden, but there's oh. still like a grid. Okay. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Turns out, <laughs> yeah. But yes, it, it's like Valkyria Chronicles. You have a certain range of movement. Um, there are elements from the first one that are still there, like cover, half cover. Um, some of the abilities are kind of the same. Uh, but I feel like this one feels a bit more fluid in um the way it moves. You have a lot more options. In the combat, um, you can chain dashes around, uh, dashing through enemies, uh, doing team jumps with teammates to sort of extend your movement range. Uh, pretty extensive, like, um, skill trees to customize your characters in very bizarre ways if you want. Uh, and then... Yes, I should have I, picked I, this up before I went on vacation. This sounds pretty good, actually. And then there's a lot of great personality to it. Um, yeah, the rabbits are nasty little freaks. I love them. 
<laughs> they are. <laughs> but like all the new voice lines, I don't remember. They didn't have voices in the first one, did they? I'd never played that first one because that was one of those things where it came out and it seemed like not as good as I was hoping it would be. And then it's a Nintendo joint. And so it just never really dropped in value enough for me to go in on it. Why No, because it's a Ubisoft game. So it dropped like immediately. I thought it didn't go down that much at all. No, it was like $20 no. within like I, two I, months. I, I just also have such a problem with playing anything on the Switch. So I, agree. I, I probably just at some point ignored it completely. Anyway um i don't remember i think they would make like rabbits noises like yeah, 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 or something but they didn't talk like they do in this one and they don't talk a lot uh, they basically just have these short lines um they do a sort of zelda type thing where uh when you when there's dialogue in the story the characters will say like the first couple of words except for the little robot guy he's fully voiced um but most of them just say the beginning of the line which works pretty well um they've also okay so what are you doing why do you keep disappearing oh because i keep coughing and i don't want to do that in everybody's oh. ears <laughs> and well, now see, you outed me <laughs> well no so okay well we're recording this and i see the recording thing and it just like goes dark and so i wasn't oh. sure if you were disconnecting it doesn't tell me no anyway. no that's me turning away to cough okay. along up <laughs> that's fine so um what was i saying oh so they have this whole crossover thing and it, they decided to embrace that and go full kingdom hearts with this one where they've introduced their original character who is named edge and she oh, has man. uh zippers and belts on yes. her, her costume and a big stupid sword yes and she's like the cool sword master <laughs> character who shows up to join the party it's great. It's, it's all called great. a keyblade, but it's spelled fucking stupid. <laughs> it's got like it's like a sort of a flat sword, but the end of it, it kind of looks key-like. But I guess it's maybe supposed to be like rabbit ears on the end. I don't know. Uh, but sorry, yeah. I had a little bit on on that one. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> what would Mario's organization thirteen name be? Oh, uh, Alamar. Well, it's got to have an X in it. Oh, Zalamar. <laughs> okay, much better. Oh, yeah, your problem wasn't that there's an L in there, which is not in Mario. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm fine with the L being in there, but there's got to be an X. Or what if it, all, uh, hmm. It doesn't matter. Oxamar? Uh, but what I was going to say is the new personalities for the Rabbids. Like, uh, Rabbid Peach is the best because she's like an Instagram freak um or like a tiktoker or something like that like she just is like blessed when she kills enemies <laughs> and like see ya um and then yes a rabid mario sounds like captain lou albano uh he's just like hoo ha yeah that doesn't sound like him <laughs> what the fuck is that <laughs> Look, Larry I, Davis I'm will just... be playing the voice of Mario in the new Mario movie. You know, he's like Captain Lou Albano. He's like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's... that's him, right? <laughs> that's... No, that's a different wrestler. Oh, okay. He, he's like, um, you pick Rabid Mario, and he's like, I'm styling and I'm profiling. Okay, that's my Yeah, no, that's, that's Lou Albano. Okay, yeah. 
So I remember him. I used to watch a ton of wrestling. <sighs> Ask me anything about wrestling. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Real deep lore stuff. I, I know it all. Who uh, fought Undertaker at Hell in a Cell? Uh, that would be uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, that might have actually happened. I think it did. See? I'm an ex- okay. I'm, I'm Not the one I'm thinking of. I'm an encyclopedia but... of wrestling. Yeah, sure. Was Stone Cold like when he was against Big Boss Man? Is that when Big Boss Man like was fake hung, hanged? Big Boss? Yeah, Big Boss. Oh. He was a wrestler. <laughs> Defeat Big Boss Man and they end up like putting him on ice for a while in a lab somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway, My number uh, four? Mario Rabbids 2 gets a recommendation from me. What's your number four? Uh, it's another Nintendo game. My number four. Number four. My number four is Kirby and the Forgotten Land. All right. This is a, a really adorable, precious game. I love Kirby a whole lot. I'm going to go mouthful mode and wear Kirby like a condom. Cut, cut that. Don't put no, that in the. I'm po- not. Don't put that in the podcast. Please don't put that in the podcast. I don't want I'm Kirby. Sorry, it's gonna be in there. I don't want Kirby to find out that I said that. Please don't put that in the podcast. <laughs> Kirby's going to block you on Twitter. <laughs> Kirby's already blocked me on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, yeah, I this game, uh, it's the first fully 3D Kirby. And you yeah. could have fooled me because it plays perfectly. It's very weird they haven't done this until now. Yeah, yeah. I think... Kirby's like it's also for a long time. Kirby's just been stuck on handheld stuff. Yeah, and it's it's good to get like a. Well, it hasn't. Wasn't there a Kirby something stars for the uh, Wii U? So, no, isn't that so. getting isn't that getting ported over now to the Switch? That, that was a Wii game. Uh, Re- Return <clears throat> oh, to God. Dreamland was Wii. Okay, yeah, it's been a while then. It's been a while. Yeah, um, I... Because, yeah, the last ones I can think of are um, Ro- Planet Robobot. Yeah. And then there was Triple Deluxe. And then there was the uh, Superstar, like, sort of remake. That was on 3DS, too. We could probably find out by jumping into Kirby's house in the uh, Waddle Dee Town hub world of Kirby and the Forgotten Lands, where they have that, like, memory book, and all it is is just, like... The marketing lines for each game and like the yeah. picture of the cover. <laughs> Just a weird thing that they included in that. Uh yeah, I I like Kirby games. I'm a, a grown adult male and I enjoy a good Kirby every now and then, and this was a really, really good one. I agree. Uh it, I like it this quite a bit. It plays exactly like how you would think a Kirby game would play traditionally. You know, you just go around, you suck up dudes, you take their powers platform around float around but they adapt that so perfectly to a 3d space that it doesn't feel like it misses a step at all well i transition. think the important thing here is that they did not try to go like full 3d you know it's basically it's like mario 3d world was yeah where it's sort of like a three-quarter view most of the time it's still kind of on a 2d plane um, it's, it's still weird to me that people were not too into Mario 3D World at all. Yeah, I know. And that is like such a 
oh, it's such a good Mario game, though. It's great. I wish they made more of those, and people just did not seem all that into it. It was on the Wii U. What do you want? <laughs> sure. Well, they they ported it over to the Switch, I and I don't think that it got ver- like very much of a reception at all when it came over. Like, I think people were more interested in the new Bowser mode thing, and that was about it. Yeah, I guess so. And that Bowser's was also Fury did like kind of overshadow it. Yeah, and and that was also like different than what this formula is. Like it was using that the, the backbone of the game to build that mode, but that was still kind of a more open environment to yeah, I think explore. Bowser's Fury is kind of closer to Odyssey or like yeah. that sort of style. Yeah. But uh it seems people liked Kirby in the Forgotten Land a whole lot, which is terrific because I hope that we get a direct follow up to this. Uh, my only real complaint is like the same complaint that I have about most Kirby games, which is that they're for little babies and they are very, very, very easy. Yeah, um, and short. Yeah, and and there's a basically a second quest that you can go on when you finish the game. But by that point, I felt like I had played enough of it, and so I got about halfway through that like second run. It was just like I'd rather go do something else. Um, yeah, I played through it and thought, okay, that was fun. And yeah. then that was it. But it's very good. It's it's a very cute game. It's I think one of the better looking games on the Nintendo Switch. It runs pretty well. Eh, there are some spots. There's that are some spots. Questionable, and yeah. the the transparency dithering is pretty bad. That that is pretty bad. It looks like a Sega Saturn game. I, I will say um, that happens in Mario Rabbids also. It makes me think it's just something with the Switch hardware that it just cannot handle transparency, considering that stuff uh, also in the video of Bayonetta 3. Yeah. If the rumors are true, and they seldom are when it comes to Nintendo, then like uh, Tears of the Kingdom is supposed to be their last major game that they're putting out before they move on to new hardware. Uh, I believe it. Two things. Sure, that yeah, that's like one of the more believable rumors that have come out, and I think the thing that substantiates that is like how many other major games have they really been showing off? There's like none. So they're almost certainly planning for a future system. Um how the other thing if Metroid Prime 4 is a launch title for the new console. That's what I was about to say. The other thing is like they're showing Tears of the Kingdom and they're like, this is our last major game, and we still haven't really seen anything else about Metroid Prime 4, so that is certainly not happening. That At least be. not on the Switch. Yeah. Uh yeah, Metroid, Metroid Prime 4 is on that. I'm going to buy the next one regardless because I'm an idiot and I just like I keep buying this. I'm not. No, I'm. I'm so yes, completely will. done with their shit. Like, you will. I will if they put out like basically the OLED version of whatever that system is. Like when they do their revision on it, at that point, I'll probably buy it. You're going to see a Kirby, and you're gonna be like, "Oh, I gotta have this one." Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. But they might do another Kirby drought. There might be a whole other console generation where they don't put a Kirby out and then I can like hold the line on this. Maybe. But for me, it's... Oh, they also announced Pikmin, remember? Yeah, but that's Pikmin the sad... Corn? The sad thing is that's not really considered a major Nintendo <laughs> release. Unfortunately, I guess. If that's yeah. what they're saying. Oh, well. Boing, 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 switch. <laughs> boingo, boingo, switch. <laughs> 
uh, excited to see their next console. I'm sure it's going to be no good. Very bad. A series of unfortunate consoles. Uh-huh. What's your number four? My number four. Number four. <laughs> I forgot to do it. Is God of War Ragnarok. Mm. Your boy Kratos is back with a brand new adventure. You it's love... mostly like the last one. <laughs> you love that Borderlands 2 writing. <laughs> <laughs> I still, still don't know exactly what you're talking about. I... There are a couple of lines I'm sure at some point I was like, Ugh, but I don't really remember what they are. So Anthony Birch, the guy who wrote Borderlands 2, apparently yes. is one of the writers on Ragnarok. Yes. I'm explaining this to fill in the context for the podcast. I know that oh, you're already okay. aware. But there was, I guess people were complaining about that. And then like some of the footage I saw, you wouldn't think necessarily that he was on it. And then I saw people kind of sharing clips of dialogue that seemed more like his style of writing. And so it seems like if there's at any point in the game, a line that just doesn't hit your ear right, that was a Birch line. Yeah, probably. Uh, there was one where he's talking to like a bunch of uh, Valkyrie about how he killed someone and they just start basically talking like it's a kill in a video game like oh you owned him or whatever like that sort of level of dialogue and that seemed like a very birch kind of line to me i Um, bet it's just like all sort of incidental side stuff like that which i did not hang around and listen to i think so because yeah like most of the dialogue i've seen from this game is pretty good and i really enjoyed the story of the first god of war game so i'm looking forward to experiencing this one when it drops in price a little bit yeah so i will say when i started this i was not really into it like for the first i don't know three four hours of it i was just kind of like going through it sort of out of a feeling of commitment to it and just thinking like i want to see how this ends i'll stick with it Mm -hmm. but it does hit its stride and it gets really good and i feel like it absolutely sticks the landing like the ending is fantastic i hope they don't make another one they probably will but the way this one ends is a great cap to the series especially these two games uh part of like kratos so part of my experience with this game again because i so i knew i wasn't going to be able to finish it in time by the end of the year i had too much stuff that i wanted to get to before the year wrapped up and i know the price is going to drop on that thing if i'm just a little bit patient about it so i'll i'll play it eventually i really want to get to it it looks really good to me but kind of seeing the different reactions that people had to the game releasing a lot of people going like, oh, this is, it's amazing. Yeah, it's very cutscene heavy, but the gameplay is still very good. And the cutscenes are also very good. And then, of course, you get the weirdos who are just like, they made Kratos woke. <laughs> it's like, what Nothing. the fuck are you talking about? Nothing like, woke about him. He's chopping dudes up with an axe. I don't understand. He's buff. Uh, he's got a big grizzly man beard. Like, is the issue that he has a kid? I think so. Is having kids woke? Yes, probably. This I don't know. I'm going to share this on the podcast because I had a similar conversation. Maybe because he's friends with ladies in this. That's maybe like the Valkyrie thing where they're all yeah. going like, yeah, you fall, you fucking killed him. And like, maybe it's... <laughs> Who is that? The Valkyrie. <laughs> That's the Valkyrie. Valkyrie from Brooklyn. <laughs> That's... Oh, you fucking killed him, dude. 
and like or boston i guess <laughs> boston valkyrie it's shifting around all the time um no, I guess, yeah, maybe uh, there's too many instances of a woman, like, killing a guy or being empowered in some way. I don't know. Which is interesting because that doesn't really happen much. It's the Valkyries. Um... Are you telling me the people who complain about the game being woke didn't actually play the game? <laughs> what? So so Free is a main Surely not. It. Um, and maybe that's their problem. I don't know. I guess uh there well there was also just compl- i think like they made one of the norse gods black or something and of course they complained about that too which is completely stupid um i don't think so i, I don't know uh, okay here i love all of the uh like the characterizations of the norse gods and stuff like they've got richard schiff as odin being like a real little weasel which is great they uh, Heimdall is basically well, I think that's, that's part DS9. of it. That's part of it too, though. Is I, I think that I saw complaints about Odin basically not being like super badass, awesome Odin because he's Odin, which is like that's such a boring, dry take on him at this point. Yeah. I'd rather see weird, weaselly, conniving Odin. Also, like Odin was always like conniving yeah. in the old stories. Like that was his main thing. Yes. Odin basically just shows up, comes in a bunch of women, and then tries to get out of it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's most of the stories about him. That and him like seeking knowledge, which he does in this game. Uh, yeah. Often uh, at the expense of the well-being of anybody around him or himself. Uh, Odin is, is a, is a selfish truthy. little nerd. Like That's what his character is in Norse mythology. He's a sh- selfish little nerd. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's... I recount this very short story about when I was with my dad on vacation, but very similar sort of mentality there too, except it was, um, he asked me if I saw the new James Bond movie. I was like, yeah, of course I did. It was really good. He's like, I heard they made James Bond woke. I'm just like, it's the same as any of the other Daniel Craig movies. And so he's like, I I heard that he doesn't sleep with any women in it. (laughs) He has a kid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. It's your issue that Daniel Craig, James Bond, has a child and doesn't immediately cheat on his kid's mother. Like, yes, of course. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I wouldn't ask my father this because I already know the answer. But is it woke to be a good dad? <laughs> yes. Oh well, okay. Well, I can see why everyone has an issue with Kratos, then. <laughs> he loves Kratos his son. Is a good dad. Yes, yeah. he does. Yeah. Despite I want Atreus being, like, yeah. a horrible kid that I just want to, like... Kratos just slammed his head in the door <laughs> like he did to that one guy. <laughs> I think God of War 2. So he's still a little shit in this game, is what oh, you're saying? Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course. Great. Well, I mean, he's a teenager now, so yeah. He's even worse. My, but, my by, but one by, narrative like, by the issue. End, of course, the thing is, like, he gets a lot better. But okay, my one narrative issue with the first game was there was that moment where he finds out that he's like got godly blood in him, and he just starts acting like a shithead for about yeah. six hours of the game. It's yeah. like this, such an on on the dime like character change for him that it felt a little ridiculous. And then I just wanted to like just punch the crap out of him. I mean. Don't you think that's kind of accurate that if a kid like suddenly found out like he's a god, 
then he would start acting like that because i think that's completely reasonable there's a reason uh why i had a vasectomy and that is it because <laughs> you're playing God of War, and then that happens and you immediately just like get up and go <laughs> to the clinic and you're like hey cut them off i don't want a kid like this at all <laughs> um you like start showing them videos of the game on youtube on your phone <laughs> And then they're just like, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. Fire yeah. lasers. <laughs> I don't know what they do. They don't use lasers. They they use a distressing amount of scissors. Mm. They have it all laid like out. Like a Cronenberg movie in there. I think I still have a picture of all the scissors that are involved that I could show you sometime. But yeah, when you walk in there, they basically okay. have all the tools out and sterilized. And it is just like a dozen different clamps and scissors. And Give all them the clamps. And, and then when I sat down to do it, he was just like, you know, we got a bunch of like student doctors who are in here. Would you mind if they observe this? And I'm just like, no, absolutely not. Oh, so they can. Thank you. No, no, I don't want them to. <laughs> you know, the if somebody says, do you mind, and you say no, that means <laughs> that's fine. Well, I specified I didn't want them in there, and they weren't in there, and then I listened to Winko Poinko the entire time I was getting my vasectomy. <laughs> a good time was had by all. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, anyway, God Award uh, seems like a great game. That's your number four. It is. It's, And I will say, I wish it had been on PS5 only, because you can really tell... It's basically just a PS4 game that runs at 60 FPS, which is nice. Yeah. But every time you go to a new area, it's like, oh, you have to go through the doorway and run for a few seconds on Yggdrasil before the portal opens to load you into the next area. It's like, if they just made this for the PS5, it would have been yeah. a lot Here's... more seamless. Here's Kratos slithering through like a crack in the wall. Yeah, you're still lifting up things and crawling under them and that kind of thing. And I know, like, it's not nearly as bad as Callisto Protocol is about that. (laughs) Holy cow. That also, I mean, that also had to release for last-gen hardware, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I thought it was only going to be on current-gen, but... It really should have been. It still looks like a really, I mean, visually, that game still looks incredible but it does actually but yeah there's not the point of this podcast but there are some ways in particular this generation just keeps getting held back that are driving me absolutely up a wall yep so my number three number four gavor ragnarok no your number three teenage mutant ninja turtles three teenage mutant ninja turtles Number three. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number three. Shredder's Revenge is my number three. It is the third best game that is released all year long. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Shredder's Revenge is my number three top uh, three game of five games that I played. There are two uh, more better games than Shredder's Revenge, but Shredder's Revenge is the third most best game 2023 2022 number three number three best game ninja turtles uh hyper shredders revenge oh (laughs) i like shredders (laughs) no absolutely not uh i like shredders revenge a whole lot um i'm a 
I'm probably biased. Uh, I grew up with the Ninja Turtles arcade games in the same way that I did with Sonic the Hedgehog, and so they're just like very much tied to my early experiences with gaming, and so it's very difficult for me to like decouple from that completely and recognize any part of those games as being bad. And I feel Shredder's Revenge does a very good job at capturing all the elements I liked about those games while also pushing them mechanically forward. Uh, the combos feel very smooth to pull off. I feel every character has much more versatility to them. Um, Donatello and, and Splinter kind of suck, but you have a lot of other good characters that you could play as, so at least there's that. Um, playing this online with people has been a lot of fun, too. Uh, generally, it's been a pretty stable experience online for me. Uh, and it's also got a very Mario 3D world to kind of bring that up again, element to multiplayer where when you fill everything out, you have a full lobby. It's complete pandemonium. Which ultimates popping off nonstop. Soundtrack is Mario great. Mario 3D world had uh, Well, when you, when you had four players in there, because its thing was that it was sort of like new Super Mario Brothers where you could right. jump on people's heads. I remember that. Yeah, so it was just a uh, mess. I didn't remember they had that in 3D World. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, yes, I do remember that now. I yeah. never played it that way, like, well, of course, why would I? Yeah. It's also well, not like you're going to play a game online on Nintendo. I played that with uh, Danny that way, and even with two people, there was just a lot of chaos that you could create. So I, I can easily imagine if you stretch that out into four players, it's completely nuts. Um, that was how even... the new Super Mario Brothers was. Like It was an interesting yeah. novelty, but actually yeah. playing a game like that... Eh. Which, at least in like Shredder's Revenge, you're not getting in each other's way. When you have a full lobby, it's mostly just ultimates are popping off constantly, and so the screen is just full of shit, and you can't see anything that's going on, but at least everybody's winning. Um, I will say that I do have some criticisms about the game. I think that it's a bit too long. There's maybe like what? three or what four too about? many levels like in that two thing. hours long. I feel like it... When you get to Dimension X, I'm like ready for the game to be done at that point. It feels like ready perfect... for it to be done as soon as I started it. I still don't understand like what your issue with it is exactly. <laughs> it does. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. I liked it a whole lot. I, I I just when you get to Dimension X, I feel like there should be like one more level and then like a final boss level and then the game wraps. But there's like five more levels at that point. Uh, to me, I've... it's just that the whole like beat em up genre basically is so simplistic at its core that unless you do something really different with it, that I just find them very boring. I think they did enough different with it though, is the thing. I, I think that the combo system with what? The the combo system, the different sort of like you can cancel out of moves, you can like backslide out of a bad situation and then jump right back in to land a hit. Like it controls similar to You didn't me. play new battle toads, did you? I did not. Because that's... You should play that. That's a Monkey's Island thing where the art style of that completely turned me away from it. Battletoads, I felt, actually did quite a bit with it. Um, I like should... Air, like, air yeah. juggles and, like, using your tongue to, like, pull enemies to you or pull yourself to them and in the air and all but that the, stuff. There is stuff like that in, in Shredder's Revenge if you are bothering to engage with that stuff. You can't mm. just stand there and just tap the button the entire time and just play it like yes, a very bog standard... Well, I'm saying you can. That's right, I can, and yeah. I did. 
and I will you do should it not. again. No, you're playing the game wrong. No. I'm go I'm gonna do it right now. No. I'm gonna reinstall it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No. Um, <laughs> I I would compare it very favorably to Streets of Rage 4. Uh, which again, when, I think when you played that, they made a bunch of adjustments well after the fact to Streets of Rage 4, which made it a much well, more enjoyable so. game. Actually, yes, because uh, I reinstalled that and found that it did feel better than when I first played it. Yeah. Still didn't really like it that much, but it was better. I really like that style of, of beat-em-up, where it is much more of a, a combo-heavy kind of thing. Uh, versus the old style where it very much is just you can do like a jump kick and like a standard attack and that's it you have to uh, position yourself diagonally so you can hit the enemies but they can't hit you the end <laughs> that's how you play turtles in time yeah basically no i treasure revenge is great uh uh, ch- uh check 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 it out what, 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 what is, is it all about ninja rap is born that's not ninja rap. <laughs> I know. <coughs> oh, shit. I didn't mute that right. Fuck. <laughs> What's your number three? Uh, my number three. Number three. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. We already talked about it. Yeah. What's your number two? <laughs> is it Maxim Tomato or is it Maximum Tomato? Maximum. I always thought it was Maxim Tomato. Uh, is it FHM tomato or a penthouse tomato? FHM, probably. Oh, okay. A little, a little spicier. What? what? I don't know <laughs> what FHM to... is. I'd... Okay. Playboy's uh, gone woke. <laughs> What's your number three? Or number two? My number three is Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtles. <laughs> number two. Tell me your number two. Do it now. S- Signalis. Nombra too. Signalis. Is it Signalis or Signalis? Who the hell knows? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I Signalis, but I don't know. It's not a real word. I was not even aware of this game until everybody had already started to play it. I was hearing a bunch of great things about it. I was a bunch of footage was ending up in my feed on Twitter and I was like, Oh, this looks really interesting. And then it turns out it was on game pass. And I happened to finally bought a new graphics card and figured, boy, you know, what would really stress test this puppy, a game designed to look like a PlayStation one title. Mm -hmm. Uh, Turns out it's just a very amazing game. Um, It is very much old school survival horror. It is skewed much closer to like the original Resident Evil, original Silent Hill. Uh, More modern survival horror conventions are just not in this thing at all. Uh, Your inventory is so limited that it brought me back to... that right. Jesus. (laughs) Brought me back to that headspace of constantly having to loop back into safe rooms just to like put away a syringe or two. No kidding. <laughs> Which should be a knock against the game, uh-huh. but it it makes me feel something in my cockles. It it warms my heart to play a survival you got horror those game. Removed. You were just talking about it. <laughs> That's a well. It's a survival horror game that plays it so rigidly close to what survival horror games were for better and for worse but since those are a type of game that i love and that i feel that there's just not enough of i had an amazing time with it 
Uh, the story of that game feels like it's telling something that is very powerful and heartfelt, and I could not tell you what the goddamn fuck it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it is told in this very intentionally confusing, non-linear way. Uh, you're you're going to different moments in time, different should, locations. I should go back and like finish this. So then I can finish it immediately tell you what the game is about. <laughs> I, I have, out it's not confusing at all. I have a decent idea of like what the, the main like through plot of it is, like what it's about, but there are still like some stretches and some scenes where I'm like, I have no idea what that meant. Um, Certainly explains why you had no interest in continuing another game. I know you played, but yeah. yes. Well, the, a lot of like the, the story, I don't want to ruin too much of it, which would also be impossible for me to do because I feel like if I talk too much about it, I'll just like explain it wrong anyway. But it's got a lot to do with like identity and the way that the game kind of plays with sort Signalis of the shifting. has gone woke. <laughs> That's right. The way that it plays around with the sort of the shifting understanding of identity and having like characters who very closely resemble each other but they're different characters, but then their names get flipped around and screwed up. And then you're experiencing different parts of their stories and different moments in time, but then their name has changed. So it doesn't drive. Make sense. It's just robot Mulholland drive. It's, it's robot Mulholland drive. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, but I feel that it, it, it does a very good job at, at keeping you engaged in the story, even though it can be very confusing at times. And then there's a bunch of different endings and the unlock conditions for them are just, really bizarre like you would think in a survival horror type of game oh the best way to like finish the game is do it as fast as possible conserve as much ammo as possible stay out of combat don't use too much of your health packs up like just be very very efficient if you do that you'll get like basically the worst ending like you have to die in this game you have to take damage you have to get into fights in order to get the better ending they want you to put yourself in harm's way um and then like the the actual true ending requires that you totally replay the game because you have to get like certain items that don't unlock the first time around and that's a little bit yeah I'll go back and do it because I like the game enough, but it is one of those things Probably where I feel like I need to. it. That wouldn't be that big yeah. of a deal. And I just need like a bit of a break before I go back and do that. But uh, some of the puzzles are also just really good head scratchers. Um, Resident Evil puzzles are all like so embarrassingly easy that I don't think you ever need a guide for any of those games. Silent Hills got some stuff like the piano puzzle early on that like made me actually stop and think about what I... I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I don't understand why people had problems with the piano one. Well, because I not am tone hard. deaf. Oh. Uh, but I would say that the puzzles are probably closer in difficulty to Silent Hill. Number two. <laughs> um, there are some exceptions to this. There is my favorite type of puzzle, which is moving fluid around between yes! three tubes. <laughs> This, uh, this puzzle that I told you about before you had started it when I was doing it, it's so bad that they just put the the solution to it in a text file right next to it. Yeah, they did. Uh, which I didn't pick that text file up at first. I immediately went to the tubes. And so I screwed around with them for like eight minutes. And I was like, wait a minute. Larry told me that they just wrote the solution next to the puzzle. So I just popped out of it, turned around. Pulled open the letter and was like, oh, goddamn, he wasn't lying at all. Like, this is no, literally just like do this, do this, do this. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say you maybe could have like totally changed the puzzle in that room if you were just going to give the solution to it. Yeah. Um, I just also I really like the phrase of you saying I looked at some tubes. I went to the tube room. I looked at some tubes. Hey, I'm looking uh, at some tubes here. There's uh, parts of that game visually that remind me a lot of Mist too, like just that level of rendering quality uh, that nerves me in a way. There's some, there's something like uncanny about that, like when you hit a certain render quality with items. Uh, show me like a, a a microphone that's rendered like it's from 1994, and I'll get freaked out. You should play uh, Golden Light. I can't write that down right now, so please remind me after this, because if it's anything okay. like that, I would be way into it. It's a like a horror game that's like got sort of a PS1 type look to it. Uh, but yeah, it's basically what you're looking for. Okay. I'm glad that there's more uh, PlayStation 1 style sort of retro games popping up now, but I'm still more excited for when we get to like people emulating the sort of PlayStation 2 visual style. Yeah, I guess so. I want that. I want to go back to the point in time where most games just looked really ugly. I just want more games to look like Cruelty Squad. Yeah. But uh, Signalis is great. I, I had a really terrific time with that. I think that if uh, anyone listening to this has anywhere near as much of an affinity for like proper old school really obtuse survival horror games you'll probably have a great time with this one if anybody listening to this has not played yet i will give you some advice which is that the enemies respawn after you kill them and also they will continue to spawn in front of doorways (laughs) and so if you run out of ammo and you have to get back to a safe room guess what that enemy is going to be back there and no matter how many times you leave and come back in and wait for it to walk away when you leave the room the room it's going to be exactly where it was it's not a perfect anyway, game i playing signalis <laughs> it's not a perfect game none of the games in my top five are perfect that is another criticism i would have of it uh i would also to add so on to that like the health items like healing over time and it's like like not clear exactly how much they're healing you <sighs> there's some stuff about it that could definitely be improved and and those are elements that i think are they needed another pass on those uh, i will say though as far as like it looks really cool it i does like look the story really cool. and everything about it like, music is all great of that was great yeah music's good i like fiddling with the like uh the frequency meter and all that stuff yeah uh i mean that gets into a lot of like numbers station things too which yeah uh, can be very creepy if done right, which I think Signalis does. It could also be very hokey if done wrong, which thankfully they avoid. But um, but also like proper, like I think a lot of stuff like this, they would just throw in some number station thing just so it sounds like kind of creepy because oh, it's a weird like little girl voice over the radio and it's all static and she's just saying numbers. Oh, it's so scary. But like this one actually does it right where like those numbers mean something. They're there to decode something. They are part of a puzzle. Uh, they serve a function just like a real number station would. Um, but yeah, like, uh, my, to add on to your advice of enemies respawning, I kind of found out by the end of the game, they give you way too much ammo in that thing. So I think that they really do want you to like repeatedly kill enemies. You're fine to dump into some of them. Okay. I also didn't like how all the enemies were just like the same thing. Does that change? Uh, 
well, you know. <laughs> so no. Uh, they they sort of do. There's some more enemy variety past the tube room. Uh, you get to, you go to a place after the tube room that is just the most Silent Hill ass looking thing I've ever seen in a video game that's not Silent Hill, and there's already quite a bit of Silent Hill in there. It is extremely, extremely, extremely Silent Hill, and and done in a way that I feel like has a really solid understanding of what makes Silent Hill visually and audibly work. Uh, it's great. That was my single. I think. Even though this is my number one game, the Nowhere section of Signalis, I think, is my favorite single like level or segment of a game I've played all year. It's it's very, very good. Okay. What's your number two? My number two. Number two. Elden Ring. Well, this is my number one. <laughs> so do you just <laughs> want to talk about it in the, yeah. a little bit? yeah. Uh, Elden Ring, our good pals at From Software, decided after quite a while to make another good game, uh, and good for them for doing it. Uh, they looked at Dark Souls 2 and said, we should take a lot of stuff from this, because this, like, Hell stuff yes. in that game worked. Uh, unlike when we tried, remember when we tried to make an action game with bad action, and everybody loved it for some reason, but that can't be right. Uh, I, I replayed Sekiro recently. Still bad. Oh, yeah. I love how that game never goes on sale for like less than $30. Yeah, I know. So like I'm still curious about it myself, but it's like I'm I'm not I'm not paying that much money. And to me, it was exactly like it's never going to get cheaper. Like I'll, I might as well just have this in my library forever. I'll buy um, like a box of batteries and Pocky and Rocky for more than that, <laughs> but I will not buy Sekiro. I. Uh, yeah, it, it was a thing where I thought, like, people keep talking about this. Everybody loves it. It's the same thing as Dark Souls 1, where I go back to it every once in a while, thinking, maybe this time I'll understand why people love it. No, Sekiro, god-awful game. <laughs> Just terrible. Anyway, uh, Elden Ring, uh, they decided to follow the second-best Souls game, Dark Souls 2, uh, and put it in an open world. And, uh, well, you know, it actually worked. They took some influence from Zelda Breath of the Wild, except unlike there, uh, they decided the open world should actually have things in it to do, which is a crazy concept. It turns out you should always put your developers under a crunch. Like, really, just the more horrific the crunch, the, the better the games just yeah, do that all the time. Exactly. Drop it's... pipes near their heads. And motivate Hi, I'm, them. I'm Michael Pachter. If you want to know how to make a good, very <laughs> profitable video game, uh, crunch all your employees to death. Actually, you know what? Preferably in like about... a very big hydraulic press. We just talked about Callisto Protocol, though, so I don't think this joke like even holds water in context. <laughs> that's that's fair. I mean, it is it is terrible that apparently developers uh, were placed under such a horrendous crunch to make this game that some of them got like their brains were chemically altered and they were just like developing the game as just like playing Dark Souls, uh, which was a very funny quote to see pop up when this got reported on. I don't even remember this actually. Okay. So there was, they interviewed, I don't, I don't remember who they were exactly off the top of my head, but uh, developers of Elden Ring were interviewed about their time developing the game. And they were talking about like, Oh, the, the crunch was really severe. And like, sometimes you're spending like, you know, 12, 15, 18 hour days, just sitting there, just designing the same thing over and over and over and over again. But when you finally accomplish it, it feels 
gosh darn it, just like beating a really hard boss in Dark Souls. I love my job. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's like those posts about people like uh from Usenets talking about playing Mario 64 <laughs> and seeing Mario in front of them while they're driving. Had some interesting dreams about the penguin from Mario 64. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Elden Ring was made in blood. (laughs) Elden Ring was made in blood, uh, but it's a very good game. Um, It it is my number one, and I generally don't like open world games because a lot of them do fall into the same trap as Breath of the Wild, where you have this open space, but there's nothing very substantive within that to do. A lot of those games are just like, hey, here's your sandbox, make your own fun, and then like how good the game is kind of then depends on how much you can break it. Kind of. With I would Elden... also say, okay, like Breath of the Wild, there's not much in the open world, and then you get to the temples, and they're basically all the same thing too. Yeah. They're just not that fun. Elden Ring, I would say, like you have the open world stuff, but then you have basically dungeons that feel like their levels from another souls game yeah and And yeah like even like a small little cave system that you go through like each one of those feels like they have a very different distinct like design to them so the those dungeons that are they sort of follow the same template uh but those i felt like sort of them realizing the concept of chalice dungeons from bloodborne except doing them right uh like they basically look the same you can tell they're sort of just using tiles in different orders um, sure but they and, actually filled them with things that are worthwhile yeah there, there is repeating content in Elden ring i don't think that there is a way that you can make a game that big without repeating stuff no uh, probably not but it's it's all about how good does it feel to kind of go through an area that's very similar to a previous area and i feel that like Elden ring's game loop is compelling enough that that is not a problem Um, that world is so fucking packed with things to do and a lot of it feels very good like even when i was getting an item at the end of a dungeon that wasn't for my build it still felt like i got something that would be useful had i built in a different direction and i feel like one way the game could be improved is perhaps by taking a little bit more from dark souls 2 and letting you like respec uh, which I don't think they do, right? There's no yeah, respect option. There is? Yeah. Okay, well, I just didn't do I respect like five times near the end of that game because of uh, <laughs> something you yeah. get to later. Yeah, but it, it, still, the, the point is you you go to the end of like a little cave network and you're still getting like an item. In a lot of these games, it would just be like, oh, I got like a, a fragment of an ancient crystal and if I get like 49 more of these, then I'll get a special item then. And, like, I I think in a lot of these open-world games where you're just kind of getting fragments of an item through most of your journey, like, it stops feeling worthwhile to really go out of your way for anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And this one, though, it's like, I I go do this dungeon. I got, like, a badass sword now. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, So, So I would say Elden Ring does have a lot of the same flaws as Dark Souls 2. Um, specifically having too many easy bosses and like repeated bosses is kind of a problem, but 
I think that again sort of goes with the territory of being an open world game. It's more excusable here when yeah. it's like, oh, I've seen this boss before, but it's like, you know, it's one of 80 dungeons. Out oh, here's this asshole dog again. This yeah. Big it, red dog, this jerk. Yeah, it, it's more easy to forgive that here than in Dark Souls 2, where you're following one path. It's like, oh, Smelter yeah. Demon again, great. Um, I, I think, too, some of it's more like you have that castle. Initially, there's that fort that's kind of way off to the south. Like, each area has a big like this is our central dungeon like this is yeah. the, the main attraction on this island or this portion of the map and like those all feel like really really well designed proper souls levels like if those were just single levels in any other souls games i would say that they're among some of the best that from has designed right you've got like that castle in uh Lierna. you've got um so uh that was Lane my favorite Del. one uh it was pretty good Actually, no, my favorite one is the tree uh, with, um, what was her name? Millennia. Yeah. Yeah. Which also is like the most aggravating boss I've ever fought in any one of these games. (laughs) Bar none. Again, like that's the case. It would not be nearly as bad without the lifesteal. Like that's surely the main issue. I think there's a very strong argument to say that boss is just straight up designed bad, but at the same time, I never felt more of a sense of gratification for finally beating a boss in a souls game. Mm. I, I I would also say the final boss, the final, final boss is designed very poorly. Yeah. So for as good as I think Elden ring is for as, as deep as that game is for as full of content as that game is for as lived in as that world feels it really just tanks in the last probably fifth of the game yeah i think so too the lead up to the mountaintop of the giants like that more linear path where you're going up there i think that's good and then when you're in there proper it's it feels like that was the last area they designed where it was like, okay, hurry up, we need to put the game out. And so there, it starts to fall into the Breath of the Wild problem of just there's a wide open space and there's not much to do. I don't really mind that part as much. Yeah, there's not as much stuff up there. But I still, it was fine. Um, I also just feel it's, like it's enemy layouts that. and stuff like that and in that portion of the game started to feel more sloppy. Yeah, kind of. Um Get that big giant who like rolls around like an idiot. That's fun. Yeah, you do have that, yeah. Uh, but yes, after that, which again, I kind of like how one of the things people hate about uh, Dark Souls Two, or they claim to like about Dark Souls One, is how the world's all interconnected. And then with Dark Souls Two, they're like, "Oh, you go through an elevator and then you're in a lava pit. Who cares?" Yeah, uh, but in this one, it's, it's a video just, game, you jackass. Elden Ring really does at the end just like to teleport you around yeah. with basically no reason. And so then it teleports you into a place that looks basically like the, what is it, Shrine of Dragons or something in Dark Souls 3? Yeah. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, dra- the, oh, uh... Dragon Airy? No, that was 2. That's 2. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, anyway, it's an area that kind of looks like that. It's not really that fun to navigate. And then you get to uh, Malekith, who is a really annoying boss, who also has lifesteal. 
Uh, and it was at that point I realized that strength weapons were not viable anymore and had to go respec into I was going to say I beat that guy on the second try. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, right, because you were using, like, bleed weapons I, and stuff. Yeah, I'm a chump. About, like, three-fourths into the game, I realized, like, oh, bleed weapons are, like, really good. I'm just going to start using these. Yeah, so I was using um, great swords the entire time, as I always do, when given the option. <laughs> Um, and didn't have any issues with anything up until then. Uh, but yeah, he also his life steal again, procking through shields, which was really annoying. Yeah. So I I have found out since then, uh, that they have apparently been oh, Clary over here weapons. using shields. Ha! <laughs> 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 Just roll through everything like me. I actually do. I roll quite a bit, but it's good to have shields for some combos and stuff. Uh, disagree because um, I'm good at playing these games. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I have enough strength to one hand a great sword, so whatever. I might as well have something it, in the other hand. It was very fun hopping into the online mode and invading people and having that bullshit blood katana and just murdering them immediately and getting all smug about it. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, I'm I'm sure they enjoyed the experience of you teleporting <laughs> behind them because multiplayer is still terrible these games uh but yes uh, apparently since then they have been buffing strength weapons i am kind of interested in going back to it and seeing now how it is uh, that's because... part of why this made my number one is i've been thinking a lot in the last few months like man i should sit down and play elden ring again yeah. but i know that if i do i'm just going to get like sucked way into it and I... like the this sort of thing usually it'll take me at least a few years before i really want to go back and play something again yeah um like recently i was thinking about elden ring thinking about death stranding uh, since i bought that on ps5 recently about that too also um and i think that's a mark of a pretty good game (laughs) if yeah i want to revisit it that quickly i mean death Stranding came out a couple of years ago but still you know i i kind of I put a lot of thought into whether or not this was going to be number one on my list because it was sweeping game awards and everything. And it just seems like it's the very easy answer of like, oh, of course, Elden Ring is the best game of the the year. That's everyone's answer. But like, honestly, out of all the games I played this year, the one that I want to go back and replay the most was Elden Ring. And to want to do that so soon after beating it, because I'm the same way, like I finish a game, I need like a while before I want to come back and play it again, typically. Uh, but something like this where it's like I spend 160 hours in that I want to play it again like yeah I, I think that is the most fun that I had in a you game spent 160 this year. hours in this I played 160 I I did like literally everything so did I I, I did platinum did everything. I got like a hundred hours or to, something. Be, to be fair 60 hours of that was probably against uh, millennia <laughs> yeah maybe I mean, still, I, admit, I just used the mimic tier uh, because that was before they nerfed it. I started that, that boss. I tried doing it legitimately yeah. for probably three or four hours. And I was just like, nah. I started trying to do that after a while, and then I went to like summoning people. I went to, for a while. I myself was like letting people summon me because I figured that would be a better consequence-free way of like learning that boss. And then most of the time, I just died like immediately, which probably sucked <laughs> for the other person. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> no now she has double health for them yeah uh but eventually i i persevered i overcame 
um, yeah, I just, I, I, well, part of 160 hours too is I did the, the usual George thing where I like a game a lot and I play it for a while and then I'm like, I just want to start it over. <laughs> I'm third, I'm 30% done with this. Things. <laughs> I built my character one way and was just like, I want to redo this and then i like restarted the whole thing i was like already done with the first island like the first part of the map <laughs> so that's part yeah. of it but but again i i think that i i agree with you i think it is a sign of a good game to want to go back and replay it so soon after you finish it the first time and and that's why it ended up as my number one all right you're well, number guess, one I, I, i'll say then our joint Game of the year, if we were going by old rules, would be Elden Ring. But we're not going by old rules, so tell me what your number one top favorite game of the year is, because it ain't Elden Ring. No, it isn't. It number ain't. one. Immortality. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, your pervert <laughs> game. Uh, uh, Larry, by the way, Larry likes this because it's got tits in it. Just so everyone hurt. knows. I Larry. love FMV games. I love mysteries. I love point and clicks. And this isn't exactly a point and click. I game. Larry told me to play this game because it was on Game Pass. And the first clip that I clicked on, as soon as it started, it was this Jesus Christ looking motherfucker just going into Mary Magdalene from behind, just like bam, bam, <laughs> bam, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah. I didn't find that until like near the end, too. I found it immediately. Lucky you. Immediately. I clicked like a like a candle. Just an innocent little candle. And it's just <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Yeah. That, that is funny because I mentioned like that's from Ambrosia, which is probably the least consequential of the three movies. And so I that was mostly what I was missing clips from when I tried to get all the footage. I found so many from Ambrosia. Uh, but you should probably explain what this game is because this already okay. probably doesn't make sense to anybody who so, hasn't played it. It's an FMV game. Uh, the premise is that an actress went missing and uh, they have sort of... They've created a database of footage from these three movies that she was in, both from the actual movie itself and from the making of them. And so you sort through those through these clips and you click on items in them and it will show you another clip with that item or something sort of similar to it and click on a gun it will take you to another clip with a gun that sort of thing sometimes sometimes i've I found that you click items and they take you to completely unrelated items sometimes not very often yeah Sometimes it's more like the vibe of the item, like it sort of tries yeah. to match with something else, which is yeah. kind of interesting. You can I also... think that's sort of a way to try to guide you around, but I don't yeah. know. You can also click on uh, particular people and then kind of yeah. go, like, so if it's just a, a set dresser, you click on them, it'll go to another scene. Which uh, that's an interesting, yeah, you find things like that, which are like, I want to find more things from uh, Minsky so you would click on the person holding up the clapperboard and then you would find other things from that movie because that's the movie they worked on because this takes place over several decades um it's like two movies from the 70s and then one around 2000 which is sort of a mulholland drive style movie would it be spoiling at all to just dip our toes into what the meaning of the name immortality is did you find out 
so I I've played some of this game. I wasn't able to beat right. it in in okay, time. Okay, here's the thing. I'll mm-hmm. say because we've already said um, Elden Ring's basically our joint game of the year. It will all be immortality talking from here on. Spoilers for here. Full spoilers for immortality and a time code in the description for Grimmies. Well, time code in the description for best old game. Oh, right. Yeah. But, so, immortality, spoilers time. I did not finish this entire game. I didn't have time to do it before I had to leave town. Um, and also, the, the way that my brain also, functions... Also, I told you I to play it for like two months when you first got Game Pass, and you're uh, like, eh. Uh, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> The, the way that my brain is wired, though, is also very counterintuitive to this sort of game, because instead of like letting the clips play out and then kind of going back and meticulously scrubbing through them and trying to build that narrative, I just start the clip in like two seconds and I'm just like, tiki mask. <laughs> Mirror. You're like that GeoGuessr guy. Gun. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I'm bouncing between clips and I'm not really watching them. And so I thought like immortality was more to do about immortalizing yourself on film and your body of work outlasting you uh, because this girl had gone missing and, and, you know, people are talking about her even though she's missing. She's become immortalized already in sort of like the the public conversation. Uh, And then I found a clip where uh, Ghost Man appeared and started cradling her head and he's like i am this ancient entity and so uh-huh. are you and we are dying as the gods do and i was like what the fuck is going on yeah okay so lipstick and then i moved on to the next scene <laughs> so um yes that's true it's a supernatural like kind of horror game so the main thing is when you're looking at these clips, occasionally you'll feel a vibration in the controller and like a sort of music sting. If you do that and rewind at exactly the right sort of pace, it will turn into another clip. And this is where you see the actual plot of the game, uh, which is that Marissa Marcel, the art, uh, the actor that the game is about, mm-hmm. is an ancient being that sort of takes different forms over the years. As you uh, uncover, do you want me to just explain the entire plot? This will all be new to me. So just lay it out. Okay. So that lady uh, who is currently in the form of Marissa and the guy, uh, they are two immortal beings. Apparently there were a lot of them in the past, but they might be the last two left now. Well, that does it, but they're supposed to be immortal. The well, they aren't. But that's they're supposed to. But they're supposed to be. So, uh, if you look, did you find the talk show clips? Uh, yeah, yeah, I found a few of them. All right, did you rewind those to uh see the one talking in them? Oh, what do you think? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So one of the things is when you rewind, you find a new clip. Sometimes then you can fast forward through it, which is mm-hmm. essentially rewinding the rewound clip. And they can go like four or five deep. And that's one of them where she explains mm-hmm. further. Like that's the thing. If you find the clips that you're supposed to, it completely explains the plot and piecing it together is the fun part about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, didn't but... do that. <laughs> 
(laughs) But she explains that uh, if they are killed, they come back eventually. But a fire is the main thing that will keep them dead. Mm. Uh, So basically she wants to continue in this form of marissa marcel he does not want her to and keeps following her around he it's takes like want to dump gasoline on her or something he takes the form of the other actor in minsky which she did not want him to do mm. basically he's just like stalking her um during a rehearsal on set she shoots him and then later burns him has oh, him cremated God. brandon lead him yeah actually so that shuts down production on the movie minsky which it's like a erotic thriller from the 70s um then he uh so you saw the um clips from two of everything yeah oh yeah you did because you saw one where she starts bleeding yeah so the main actress in two of everything which is in 2000s marissa's been missing for quite a while Uh, it's supposed to be your comeback movie uh the actress from there is the guy because that actress saw the clip of him being shot and so by seeing the footage of them it allows them to inhabit them even though they're dead wow this is crazy so (laughs) (laughs) so the thing is though you're right it is about immortality through film but not in the way you were thinking. Yeah, I, I still thought that that had to have been like some sort of component of it, but yeah. I was not expecting it to also be a literal like, oh, there's actual immortal beings. And uh, the, yeah, the two yeah. clips that I saw that revealed that was uh, the one in the bar where she starts bleeding. Um, Which is the very end. But well, there's one clip after that. Okay. That well, that, that basically makes sense that I would see the very last thing first. <laughs> um no well, one also if you see it early you're probably not going to know to rewind things to see that anyway yeah um the other one i saw was uh oh god it was like in a white room and i think the end of the clip is she collapses or something like that hmm. there's like a mirror in there i'm trying to think of how to describe it like not a whole lot happens in that one but it is like another like very early sign that there's something more like uh, ephemeral going on so, so the end of it is after she starts bleeding at the bar it's because during the filming of that last movie she is actually taking the form of both marissa and john durick the director who is also the director of minsky it's what you never see them at the same time um or no you do a couple of times most of the time they don't and people in the scenes will mention like where's durick like where did he go as uh, she can't continue maintaining both forms at once okay. uh, and it places such, places such a strain on her that that's when she starts collapsing and bleeding spontaneously uh, and so then she decides it's time to move on and has the other one burn her to death and so you get the scene of just like him dumping gas on her and setting her on fire uh, uh. <clears throat> and then that's when you get the actual ending of the game where it's just like an extreme close-up of her as she just keeps getting closer and closer to the camera and then the point is that she has now possessed you the player because you've been watching this footage ah nuts yeah it's a really cool ending like all the clips on the timeline like start morphing and it just becomes one giant clip of her staring at you 
It's cool. Well, it's creepy. She can have my life. I don't, it's not. It's not a good one. Enjoy it, lady. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful world of having horrible IBS. <laughs> yeah, but so okay, Corey, um, Sam Barlow. I was gonna say Corey Bal- Balrog. Barlog. <laughs> it's the God of War guy, Sam Barlow. He made her story, which I liked quite a bit, but it, it's a yeah. pretty limited. Like basically proof of concept telling lies was okay i wasn't really that into it this one i think is actually basically the culmination of all the stuff he's been doing up to this point and i have to admire the technical <laughs> prowess that he has to make three entirely different movies uh, plus all of the behind the scenes stuff and because a lot of the footage you're seeing there isn't any clip from the actual movie it's rehearsing on like yeah sets and whatever it's, it's so a, you figure out like okay this is what would be happening in the movie at this point yeah it's it's a lot like i think that the way the game is structured is also just very interesting I, again my my problem is that it's a me thing i i just my brain is not wired it's in a, a way that is a, huh <laughs> <laughs> huh what huh what wait what <laughs> hold on oh where am i uh, I've no, hours I... of my life stomping Koopas. <laughs> I they made Mario woke now. Mario doesn't. He's a failure. Mario's a horrible fail son. And Princess Peach does everything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's the one interesting thing about that movie, actually, it kind um, of. is making Mario just suck completely. Um, yeah, I. I think it's structured in a very interesting way. I think it's just a shame that the way that my dumb brain looks is I'm just constantly clicking on everything immediately. And so I don't think that I'm giving that story enough room to actually kind of like wash over me. Yeah. Like that's the thing is the experience of actually figuring everything out um, because it doesn't really hold your hand. There are the black and white clips of her talking to you are not on set clips. Um, those are basically put in there as you progress to make sure you don't miss them, essentially. Mm. Um, because those have a lot of the exposition of her like saying what happened and talking about the nature of them and all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, Larry, it takes a very, very, very boring man to enjoy immortality. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I'm more I'm... than thirty-year-old games. <laughs> But I am glad that you enjoyed it and that it was your number one game of 2022. You never played Oberdin, right? No, I need to you get to that one. You would hate it. I, oh, you would hate it so much. Yeah, maybe. I like the look of Oberdin a whole lot, but yeah, I don't know about... Uh, again, to, you, like, you to be very... At, you would look at it and you, you would see the journal page with all the guys' faces on and be like, I'm not doing any of this. <laughs> I to be very very clear. No, this guy was a boatswain. (laughs) (laughs) To be very clear, I don't dislike immortality. I think it's very unique. I had a good time playing it. Uh, I really do respect again that level of talent involved to film three whole movies and interconnect them in this really crazy way. Uh, I just didn't finish it, so that's one reason why I didn't make any of my lists. And again. Uh, I'm stupid and my brains are bad, and so it is maybe just not the sort of game that I'm suited to play. That's understandable. I wasn't sure if you really would like it or not. I just knew it was an FMV game, and you do like FMV. 
but yeah, it, it depends. This is a depends. bit more free form than maybe the FMV you're looking for. I like old FMV. I like very dumb, low budget FMV. You like Tex Murphy? I haven't played a Tex Murphy, but I would probably like a Tex Murphy. Oh, Tex Murphy's yeah. great. Um, Phantasmagoria. Hmm. Yeah. What, what was the one with the uh, the, the fucking the pizza boy? <laughs> Tender loving care. Tender loving care. That now that's uh, if you want a game where you're just with getting genre. into a lot of like yeah 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 that's uh that's a <laughs> yeah we just like click on a game. TV and hey here's full screen video of Betty Page yeah sure <laughs> okay why not uh, well Larry I think that concludes our 2022 golden gizmos but before mm-hmm. we're done with this uh the gizmos themselves we're going to talk about our favorite old games of the year and since i went first for the uh contemporary gizmos i think that you should go first for the retro ones uh my best old game of the year i changed my mind i want to go first okay (laughs) no i'm sorry go ahead my best old game of the year was released in 2022 uh this is shadow man remastered i should have known <laughs> yeah, you should have seen this one coming. Uh, but no, it's a remaster of the 1999 game Shadow Man, uh, released on the Nintendo 64. Okay, before we get too deep into this, can I get into my problem with Shadow Man real okay, quick? What? Okay, it's not like a problem. Problem. It's just again, my brain is very screwed up. So remember the uh, bit from uh, Tim and Eric Awesome Show where it had like a uh, Rain Wilson and it was the Dark Man. Yes. And it was like the crows are pecking out people's eyes. Yeah, yeah. And that bit where Rain Wilson's just like, the dark man's coming. <laughs> well, every time I see Shadow Man, I think of him going, the shadow man's coming. And Isn't I don't know. Marilyn Manson? Yeah, it yeah. was. And I don't... End, that's when John Ennis shows up and says, should have had him bronze. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why my brain is fusing these two completely unrelated things together, but it is. So every time I see the title Shadow Man... I just think of it being spoken in that way. You can at least have said, like, it reminds you of Swagman for the PS1. <laughs> well, everything reminds me of Swagman for the PS1. That's hardly a new insight. Good point. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Okay. Uh, so, I believe on this podcast in the past, we've talked about the lack of Zelda likes, right? Yeah. Now it's weird that like nobody really tries to make a Zelda game. Everyone's even caught Zelda up doing games are very popular. Yeah, they're all caught up doing Metroid style games. Yeah, strange. Uh but Shadow Man is a Zelda like. Um it Which does surprise have... the hell out of me. Cuz <laughs> yeah, looking at it I would have thought it was like a Power Slave kind of game. I don't know why you would think that considering it's in third person view. Um but it does have shooting in it but you just like basically have your regular you know like an infinite ammo gun it's not a shooter shooter yeah um well to to be clear when i say when i looked at it i thought it was that i mean like just the cover like that kind of art style and and the sort of error that it's coming from it struck me more as like a boomer shooter kind of thing kind of um but yeah it's a third person action adventure game you get abilities you unlock new areas with those ability it, it's it's kind of metroid-esque i guess but sure it's more in common with zelda and zelda shares a lot with metroid really um sure 
but yeah it, it was a good game but it was always held back by the nintendo 64 there was a ps1 version that was terrible uh it was on pc but i feel like that that sort of game just doesn't really work well on pc um yeah and it also important it was released pretty unfinished there are levels that were not in the game that were obviously supposed to be like the whole premise is that he's hunting down these serial killers in the real world and in the game as it released back then there were only like two of them there's supposed to be four i think huh. uh, so this remaster not only ups the resolution uh, increase the lighting they didn't do anything like radically different like it's not a remake it still yeah. looks basically like the old game and you can but... switch it back to the old graphics if you want Ooh, you can halo anniversary the game yeah you have to go into the pause menu it's not like a ah, okay. button press switch because they're you can get pretty granular with the changes you can be like do you want to have anti-aliasing completely off do you want the textures like new or old do you want motion blur on or off like it gives you all the options to change how My many filters really good about this how many filters do i have to throw on before it looks as unreadable as a nintendo 64 game oh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> can you uh, put it in four three i don't think so okay i'm not sure hmm. Uh, but yes, they did the sort of graphical improvements, but they also restored all that lost content, which there's one level in particular I would have been okay if they had uh, left on the cutting room floor because it really sucks. But the real world levels that they've added back in are pretty cool. It's good to see like this is how it should have been really when it came out. Um. Yeah, I mean, they they also they changed around the locations of some items partly because of that. Yeah, um, just for like better balancing overall. Yeah, and I, see, I, I had no idea. My, my main was... advice, though, mm -hmm. this is important for anybody looking to play it. First of all, if you go into those real world levels, it, like in human form just like go back out because it's a waste of time because they will get your progress. You're supposed to go in there when you're in shadow man form, but Larry, I'm a human. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, that's actually a good question. <laughs> <laughs> are we human or are we dancer? <laughs> We've all been wondering that question. Uh, I think it's like, mm, we are human mm, after all. Uh, I think that's how the song goes. <laughs> that's exactly how it sounds. Uh, the other advice I would have is look up a map uh, that's been updated for this version, which is important. That basically just tells you, like, here's where the items are. Here, here like, where the doors are that are gated by power levels. Because there was a map that came with the game originally. You're supposed to have that. Mm. Uh, because otherwise, it, it, there are things about it that would be really confusing. You Like, you wouldn't know where am I supposed to be going at this point. Uh, and that will just help a lot. It's not, like, spoilery or anything, but it's like, you know, this what is where they, the, the power level 6 door is. They call those back in the day, they were, like, feelies or something like that? I think it was just in the manual. Um, oh, okay. Just like in the back of it or something. But yes, feelies was what they would call when they would include like uh, the, the pi dial a pirate wheel in Monkey Island. Well, that was Still an anti piracy thing, but. 
single best form that DRM has ever taken was Dial of Pirates. <laughs> That's true. Never been as good as that before or after. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, Shadow Man Remastered, very good game, uh, very good treatment of it by Night Dive, who do a good job in general, even when the games are complete garbage like Turok. <laughs> uh, it's still funny to me to see people out there who, when Turok gets brought up, they're like, oh yeah, hell yeah, Turok was so good back in the terrible. day. It's always so fucking awful. bad. It's such a shitty game. It was always a shitty game. Digital Foundry tricked me into re- <laughs> replaying Turok 1 because they were talking about how, like, oh, it's it's got, like, Metroid-type elements to it. And, yeah, I guess it kind of does. It's also terrible to play, and all the levels, like, look the same. And Digital so, oh. Foundry getting stuff wrong is going to come up at least two more times before we're done recording <laughs> for the day. I, I already have two instances ready to go. Um yeah, I need to play that. Uh, you linked it to me today because it's on sale, and and to kind of pass on what you told me, I guess Night Dive Studios stuff sometimes just stops going on sale altogether. So uh, yeah, I I need to pick that up, but I probably will not get to it for. It a seems while. like it is worse about that on Xbox for whatever reason than PlayStation. Like, it seems like they just don't. don't want know to why play- I'm listening to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll buy it. I'll just probably not play it until, like, the summer. I have so much stuff that I want to get to that I I know I'm not going to get to Shadow Man anytime soon. So. I gotta play Dark Forces. Yeah, Dark Forces is good. Um, And I will say, uh, runner-up for best old game was, uh, I went back and replayed Stranger's Wrath, the odd world game. Still great. Okay, well, we don't really do runners-up for this category, but all right, thank you. Uh, my third place would probably oh. be... No. Uh, I already said that, that. That's not... We don't do that for this award. Well, I can't think of a third one, so I don't know. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, my number one, and only one... Number uh, for, one. Thank you. Uh, for best old game of the year... Doom! Yes. I played the original Doom for the first time in my entire goddamn <laughs> life. Um, Congratulations. So I I never had a computer growing up. I didn't have a computer in my house until I was probably about 14 years old. And at that point, like my time on it was very carefully monitored. Uh, I didn't have my own computer until I was an adult. And it just never occurred to me to like install Dune. Also, I think that was probably like during a period of time where like doom was probably tougher to get running on a PC or I don't know, but I finally decided to pick it up because it was on sale on PSN. And because I played uh, Duke Nukem 3d and I played power slave earlier in the year. And I liked those a lot. And I was like, man, I'm kind of getting into boomer shooters. Obviously I should play the original. Uh, mm-hmm. Doom is fantastic. Doom is such a fucking amazing game. Yeah, it is. It is Oh, it feels so good. I like how floaty and fast everything is. Like, the gun sounds are just so crunchy. Like, the way that they lay out the monster closets just constantly makes you feel unsafe in areas that you've already been. Um, I do think that, like... So I played all five chapters of Doom. Uh, the the last one, uh, Thy Flesh Consumed. I think that's what it is, right? I think so. 
that one's a motherfucker. <laughs> that one starts you out just the first two levels are such a nightmare, and then it weirdly gets like easier the further the, you go. Is it the one that starts where it has all the flaming the lost souls like coming for you? Yeah, you and there's like cyber demons immediately, and they're just like spawning on top of your head. They're just getting like warped in. Yeah, yeah. The the first two levels of that are really rough and and brutal in a way that feels like intentionally designed to be dickish um yeah probably i mean john romero worked on it so <laughs> sure um yeah, i guess so i also played i also played sigil uh which is officially unofficial six chapter like it is made by john romero so i don't think you can really get much more official than that but yeah at the same time i think it's not supposed to be like in continuity part of the original doom um doesn't really matter sigil is also very good uh i really like kind of the more puzzle-esque design of those levels it feels like a very good ramp up in difficulty off of the previous five chapters so it, it feels like a very it's very fluid moving into that from playing the base game um john romero finally made me his bitch it it took until 2023 uh but boy some of his levels kicked my ass um i still like that he did that interview a while back where he's just like i feel bad about the i'm gonna make you my bitch advertisement i don't want to make anybody my bitch john seems like a nice guy yeah i haven't played sigil uh, it's pretty good but yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. one of those things i never <laughs> For whatever reason, never did it. Yo, guess what? It's more Doom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It turns out John Romero hasn't really uh, lost his touch for designing Doom levels. I mean, that was the thing was I really liked how it wasn't uh, like, here's a new game on Steam. It's just like, ah, oh, here's a wad yeah. for original Doom. And if you have that PlayStation version, so you, you can connect to like a bit. You can connect to like a Bethesda shop that has like certain curated wads that you can just like enable. Yeah. Uh, and, and Sigil is one of them. So you can just play that on the PlayStation or I would imagine any other console version of that's what. You yeah, have. I think the Xbox ones are like they're the same way. And and you can play some other ones. And I kind of goofed around in a few of the wads that they had on there, but I wasn't feeling most of them. Um, and I, I that being the version of Doom I played, I, I just played whatever was doom that came in that package for the playstation so i didn't do like uh the version of it that gives you like full right analog stick control basically um no i didn't do no, anything with that i didn't do anything with improved lighting i didn't do digital foundries favorite weirdo ray tracing bullshit that like someone Ugh. made for the game that makes it look like fucking garbage but it's ray traced I thought that looked bad just seeing it like demonstrated when they put that video out. Having actually played Doom, I do not know how anyone would be able to suffer through that. I don't know. Looks awful. It is genuinely terrible. Anytime um, they add ray tracing to old games, it looks just nasty. It's almost like they made those games and did not have ray tracing in mind because it didn't fucking exist. So don't put it in the old games. Uh, but the original Doom, like... It looks great. I love the visual style of that game. Um, I, I think for as limited as computers were at that time, they put in a lot of good variety in those maps visually uh, mm -hmm. to help kind of ground you in certain locations. Um, I, I see mean, like considering those are technically 2D games. 
Uh, yeah. They did a lot of really good work in tricking you into thinking otherwise. Yeah. And, and I, I see people complain about like, uh, oh, there's some really labyrinthine levels and it's very easy to get lost in certain chapters. And the few times I got lost in places, it wasn't really horrifically bad or anything. I think the game is actually very good about providing you landmarks and getting you familiar with each map. So I liked okay. it. I like yeah. controversial opinion. I like Doom. I think it's a good game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I regret not playing Doom sooner. Uh, I had a very good time with it. I'm looking forward to playing Doom 2 and Doom 64 and Doom 3. Uh, I'll get to those eventually. Hey, if uh, you like Doom, guess what? Doom 2 is more Doom. That is what I have been told. <laughs> um, Basically the same thing. Doom 64 also just seems like more Doom. No, Doom 64 is different. Okay. Everything I've seen of it is just... an entirely different game. Okay. I also I bought that recently because it was on sale for like a buck sixty, and I got Quake as well. So I'll I'll be playing Quake too. Not Quake, Quake Two, it... just Quake. Good. Quake Two. Comma bad. Two. Uh, okay. I Which think Quake is the best out of all of those. Which one's the one with the strogification? That's Quake Four. Okay. It's Quake because Four. Quake... Good? Eh, it's all right. Um, but Quake 3 was all multiplayer focus. It's Quake 3 Arena. Um, and yeah, Quake 2. Uh, no thanks. Should I play Marathon? Uh, maybe. Should I play Oni? <laughs> Absolutely, you should play Oni. Should I play Fear Effect? That's the one where the girls are all <laughs> like lesbians with each other. I remember that from EGM. I mean, you like survival horror games, right? I see when I saw ads for that back in the day, I had no idea that was a survival horror game. It might have, it's not it, really horror so much, but it's styled like that. Here's the thing. It might've like in the copy said exactly what the game is, but I was like 14 and the girls had their boobs pushed <laughs> together. And so yeah. I didn't read fucking any of that shit. Not a word of it. <laughs> I remember reading reviews and they were so mad about like how easy it is to die from just like complete garbage in that game. <laughs> There were two advertisements that were always stuck together in my issues of EGM. It was anything dealing with fear effect or that one with all the old men and the towels and the uh, locker room. I thought <laughs> that one was pretty good. What are you talking it's... about? Was you don't remember that one? No. I'll look it up for you after the podcast. We'll make that thumbnail. No, no thanks. No. Because I have to do my usual like nightmare collage for the thumbnail. That's true. Well, it could be part of the collage. Yeah, maybe. Cut one of the naked men out of it and put him in the background. Okay. For the collage, you need to put a picture of that Jesus guy railing Mary Magdalene, but like cover <laughs> up the parts that are more concerning, but like leave enough where everyone knows they're very much boning. Okay. <laughs> I think that's been the Golden Gizmos. Yeah, that's it. All right. Well. I'll need you to suggest me some wads off the air, but uh, we'll come back here in a, in a moment for the Grimmies.
We're back for the Grammys. Yeah. It, well, it's after midnight. We've eaten. Yeah. Well, now it's time to grim out. I got a little wet. Now I got all these like nodules on my back. Hell, I feel so good. I think I'm I saw. Great. I think I saw a little George in one of them, and it looked back at me, and I screamed, and I haven't looked at my back since. I feel great. I'm ready to start some mayhem, some havoc, some mischief. I'm ready to watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I'm ready to put on 3D glasses, which is going to give me a like a massive headache. I'm ready like to a flash idea. a woman. Whoa, whoa. Wait, no, I didn't mean whoa. that. I meant I'm ready to hit a puppet with a mallet, a little okay. funny mallet. <laughs> okay. I'm ready to uh, ride a skateboard with a chainsaw. I'm going to be horrifically mangled. Uh, well, the sun is going to come up soon enough and melt us and all of our troubles away. Uh, but first, we need to sift through everything terrible about the year 2020, which thankfully uh, has not been as bad as previous years. <laughs> the, the side effect of no games coming out in a year is also not many bad ones. Fucking A. Um, so we've ditched a bunch of categories for this one because there's just not as much to go over. Uh, we're going to do our top three worst games of the year, but we're Whoa, probably going to have, yeah. we are, but I'm anticipating we're going to have a tremendous amount of overlap in those. Um, okay. I only prepared one. So you'll probably happen to find that two of mine fill out your number two and your number three. Probably. So why don't I go ahead and start us off Okay. Uh, with the one that I know is not in yours because I was the only one stupid enough to pay money for it and play it. And I am talking, of course, of Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> I live in a perpetual state of bafflement that there is anybody on this planet who isn't a self-declared Sonic fan who likes this video game. It is genuinely terrible. Uh, I wrote a very exhaustive review of everything that I think is wrong with this game, Uh Maybe we'll link it, maybe not, because it probably would be an easier way to get through all my thoughts instead of bogarting a ton of time on this podcast talking about it. But everything that we kind of said Elden Ring does right, Sonic Frontiers does like the exact fucking opposite, like at every possible turn. It is just a big open space. There's nothing in it. There's a bunch of like uh, little like Sonic the Hedgehog platforming challenges that are just kind of strewn about haphazardly to the point that it almost feels like you're playing in like a... Uh, alpha test area where developers are trying to like nail down the physics of their game they're so bad like none of them interconnect with each other in a way that feels fluid so you just like you do a little thing and then you just kind of get spat back out into the world and it's like okay that's it i guess uh and most of them play themselves too so you know that's always fun well i mean you probably want something that plays itself when otherwise you would have to be reacting to platforms popping in about 20 feet in front of you, right? The pop-in is arguably worse than in the fucking Pokemon games that they put out this year. It, it is at the very least like on par with that. It's incredible. Sounds good. There's so much of Sonic Frontiers that is you looking straight up in the air because all the platforming in the game exists in the air and like tracing it back to whatever you think the starting point might be for that portion of the level. Cause like the other problem with this too is 
the physics and the way that Sonic Control gives you very few opportunities to kind of break the structure of the platforming challenges that Sonic Team has laid out. So most of the time, the most efficient way to get the items you're collecting is to just find the exact starting point of those platforming challenges and then seeing them through to their conclusion. There's not so much like I'm in one platforming challenge and I can like sort of vault myself across this area to get to another and like bypass a bunch of like its loops and stuff like that. I hate it. It's really bad. Um, well, I, I thought get... the number three. Okay. Sonic Frontiers. No. <laughs> um, no, it's Sonic fans, I think, have kind of like tricked themselves into looking at a game that I think most outlets are giving this like a, a six or a seven, and they're just like, oh, it's a fucking masterpiece. It's so good. It's one of the best experiences I've played all year. It's I like mean, by Sonic standards. I'm to those people, I am so sorry that you've played nothing but terrible games this year. And also I think it's time we start treating being a Sonic fan as like a mental disease. I think so too. Uh, I, that's the thing. They need help. They need to be rehabilitated. God. It's all I'm saying is if you have a copy of Sonic Frontiers, they shouldn't let you buy a gun. Hey, did you play uh, uh, Kaze and the Wild Winds or whatever that's called? No, I did not. You should check that out. That seems like it's pretty good. <laughs> are you fucking with me or are you serious? No, I'm serious. Okay. I have no idea what that is. I have not played it. No, so. it's like it's like a platformer. I think it's kind of like Sonic, but not terrible. Okay. Freedom Planet 2 came out. That's like Sonic and is maybe not terrible, possibly. Depending on who you ask. Never played the first one. <laughs> is that it? That's your number three? No, sorry. I'm choking here. Hold on. Oh, okay. Uh... Well, I don't know if I'm supposed to go on with my number three or not. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, I I just, I think like the one promising thing about that game too is that they got uh, Ian Flynn to do the writing for it. And um, he's apparently been very good at doing the comics. He took over for Ken Penders and I read the rest of his run at Archie and I thought it was totally fine. He, uh, uh, I believe, wrote some of the Darkwing Duck comics I thought were pretty good. He's got a good understanding of old nerd shit and knows how to write for it in ways that make it feel fresh and more interesting. Um, I heard that a lot of the lore in this game is given to you when you catch fish and they're given to you through tapes like in Metal Gear Solid V. uh Uh-huh. And so you run around while listening to tapes, except there's nothing as cool as Skullface no. putting weird explosives in paws. You don't, as far as I know, run around listening to them, because oh. I want to say the only place that you can access them is in the oh. fishing game. Oh, <laughs> they did that in Callisto Protocol, too. They have <laughs> audio logs, and you can't listen to them while running around. You have to just sit there in the menu and listen to You oh, know what that means? Great. I never listen to any of them. <laughs> It's a lot of like the I saw people talk about like, oh, they're tying all the lore together and everything. And it's just like, yeah, if your definition of tying lore together in a Sonic game is like them casually mentioning mentioning things that happened in old games and basically going like, don't worry about how that fits into anything. Please don't think about it. Uh, there's a lot of Dr. Robotnik talking about why he's on the island in those tapes. And like Mike Pollock, the actor who plays him could not possibly sound more bored to be in a studio in his entire life. 
Just is the... he like a legacy Robotnik actor, or is he? Uh, he's he's been doing the character ever since like um like around Colors. Oh, okay. Uh, Sonic Unleashed, I think, was the first one that he was in. Um, there was talk about them recasting everybody except for like after Colors. Pollock. Yeah, it was. Okay. Unleashed was the follow up. You, you just okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, there's there's a lot of people who uh, also are like, you know, yeah, it's not a perfect game, but they've really laid the foundation here for something that, great with the sequel. Does he, that, that, does he ever mention Snively? No, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Uh, but he that mentions... was Jiminy Glick asking you about <laughs> Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> I'm glad you told me that because I had no fucking idea who you were doing an impression of. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I would like to know if they ever mentioned Snively. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. Chimney Glick showed service. up and he hurt me psychically. <laughs> um, t- ranting to Jiminy Glick while in the sauna about goddamn Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> Martin Short just starts climbing out of the costume. <laughs> it's like that part in Total Recall. Um, Chimney uh, head opens up. I've seen people say like, oh, well, they've laid this fantastic foundation that they can build upon in future games. And it's just like, I, who the fuck do you think is making these things? I don't know. Who? Sonic Team had five years to make this game, and it's a busted ass open world game that has like barely any design cohesion and you think like these are the guys like next time it's going to be different like uh next time sega is going to put out a good sonic game like are you fucking kidding me are you done i'm done okay (laughs) you're number three uh my number three worst game of the year is what was this game called? Go- Ghostwire Tokyo. <laughs> oh, right. That came out this year. Yeah, it did. Jesus. Uh, a terrible game. Um, so the the sad part about Ghostwire is that it has a lot of cool stuff about it. It has like this sort of fusion of ghost stuff and yokai and uh, like technology. Like you open up a payphone and you, the payphone sort of like comes off and you use it to bank your spirit points or whatever. And things like that are cool. Yeah. I'm actually playing it awful. It's like, there's it's, what you were telling me there's some sort of. Excuse me, um, some like Shin Megami Tensei vibes. Yeah, that's game. what I'm saying. Like the whole sort of technology combined with spirit world stuff is cool i gotta call the demons up on my yokai phone <laughs> kind of uh but uh hello jack frost <laughs> <laughs> doing a booty call on lean and seed hay or however that's pronounced <laughs> i'm calling mermaid on my yokai phone and going to jail Oh no, I butt-dialed Metatron again. <laughs> um, I just imagine Metatron is like very like robot voice just being like, Who called me? Hello! <laughs> Hello! Just like constantly talking in the phone, not hanging up the butt-dial. Jerry, hello! 
I'm thinking he'd, he'd more have like the voice of the um, ignore me guy from Venture that, Brothers. I was kind of thinking that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, other than that, it's sort of like a first person shooter and they sort of, they play with some interesting things like your weapons. You're like using signs with your hands. So you're like doing this sort of like ninja stuff with your hands. Ooh, and, just and like Naruto. Things. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of cool. Except none of it feels good to play. Um, it, the performance is really choppy, especially when you're like up higher up in the city and you can see farther. Like it, it really gets chunky. Uh, the open world stuff, like none of it's really interesting. There are occasionally some good side quests where you're doing some sort of Yu Yu Hakusho type detective stuff, which is kind of interesting, but mm. most of it's boring and just filler. Yeah. That, that one lady who, because the, the way that game kind of like entered my consciousness was, I can't remember if it was a Game Awards or if it was an E3 conference, but I that think, lady coming out. It was E3. The... I don't okay. know. She did that funny pose and then everyone was like, ah, yeah, you Japanese developer lady. And like, didn't she leave the production of that game like halfway yeah. through or something? I think she's only listed as like special thanks in this. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's where everything went south. Maybe, maybe it was when she departed and the, the game kind of lost its way or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, this was announced a while ago. Um, mm. It feels like maybe development was a little torturous with this but it's a tango game works and they i don't think i really have a great record to begin with i liked evil within two but the first one was awful yeah um and so that's get blooper team for the sequel (laughs) yeah (laughs) ghostware tokyo 2 it's gonna be good this time (laughs) They got a great foundation to build on for the sequel. The sequel's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> my number two. Number two. Well, Thank we should you. do that for Grimmies, actually. That's, yeah, that's too uh, enthusiastic. Yeah. It should be more like, uh Number, number two. two. <laughs> um, my number two is High on Life. Also my number two. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. um, so it should... Hey, wait, I, 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 uh, hold on. I heard your, your number two is high on life. You're telling me, you're telling me high on life is your number two. Yeah. I mean, oh, I know oh you, great. There are a lot you of options here. It's high on life, there huh? I thought it was going to be your number one. Cause you know, number two, on account of it being a great game. Two. I, high on life. I feel like what? Just like high on life, these voice <laughs> clips overlapped each other. So you couldn't understand a goddamn thing. Anybody was saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Justin Roiland. That's my review of High on Life. Um, <laughs> no, so I should say that uh, with the, the Golden Grimmies, we don't have as much of a hard and fast rule if you had to play and beat the game. I did that for Sonic no. Frontiers. Um, I played enough of these that I hit my point where I was like, I'm out. And that also, should mean I a lot. I did not beat Mario Rabbids. How That's dare not- you? completion is not actually a requirement you just have to play a lot of a game like enough to have a good sense of it also also i don't think i completed more than four games this year anyway jesus fucking christ i don't know your whole life is a sham (laughs) (laughs) uh no i 
in years past, though, we've kind of just sort of come to an collective agreement on what the worst game is, just sort of based on what like popular perception of the game has been. Like, I think there was a year the Afro Samurai game one. Mario like, Rabbids came out like it. a year or uh, a month ago, yeah. by the way. <laughs> I didn't know that because like anything releasing on the Switch just goes totally under my radar at this yeah. point. So it came um, out like a month ago and then I waited for it to hit $40 before I bought it. So no, I have not finished it. <laughs> Look, point is, we actually like sat down and put some time into these games this year. Yes. We we played some shit this year, and even though I didn't finish High on Life or my number one, that should I think I have a whole podcast where I finished games like fucking Arrow the Acrobat. So I shouldn't have to prove <laughs> that like I'm willing to sit through some real garbage if I don't finish a game. That game is really, really, really bad. Yeah, I did not finish any of these top three here yeah so i why would i i played some of high on life and i've determined very early into it that it was a game that i did not want to put any more of my time into and so kind of going back to what i was saying i'm not a fan of justin roiland or his his sense of humor i have seen maybe seven or eight different episodes of rick and morty when i'm at my mom's house i just turn adult swim on and i just let her run while i go to sleep weren't and, you uh, telling me you liked it you were sending no. me clips of rick and morty for a while i don't think i was sending you clips of rick and morty you were you were like oh this is just like it was something about him like buying a 3ds that that was one clip i did link about buying a 3ds because <laughs> we had a very similar scam of wanting to buy like branded 3ds's with like uh, zelda crap on it or something and we should have done it <clears throat> look well, at the should've. prices on those things now yeah, I know. We were very stupid for not doing it. Yeah. Um, no, my, my point is I've seen probably like seven or eight episodes of that show. I don't necessarily think it's a bad show. I don't like the show a lot either, but like I have seen episodes and I've mostly just been like, ah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, I, I've watched like half an episode of it and did not care. Yeah, I, I think the nicest thing I could say about Justin Roiland is I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would say, like, I feel like this is sort of a case where, even though I have plenty of problems with Dan Harmon, uh, yeah, he's probably the part that makes that work, like, qu- quote, work. Yes, and and that's kind of the point that I was leading to is I think that High on Life is Justin Roiland uh, without somebody more sensible and capable of running a project filtering him um roiland uncut oh god because it's just some of the absolute most dog shit dialogue i've ever heard in a game in a I, really know, really long time it's I don't super think it counts as dialogue i feel like dialogue has to be written <laughs> it's just you're just saying since this is all off the cuff it doesn't even yes. qualify okay yes yeah sure um yeah, a lot of it is just uh, Justin Roiland doing one of the two voices he knows how to do, which is the Morty voice, and he's your gun, and he just talks fucking nonstop constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not even really like an attempt at setting up or paying off a joke. It's just him kind of rambling aimlessly about whatever the character is fixated on in that moment. Yes. And so it's just not funny, and there's just so much of that to charitably call it dialogue uh that it then starts like clips start cutting themselves off and overlaying each other and so like you don't even get to hear him like finish a thought ah oh, it's terrible and yeah 
So, okay. Here's my take on this. Yeah. First, I think the gameplay is fine. Not See, terrible. I, kinda, I, dis- nah. I disagree. I it's think fine. It's pretty bad. Like, it's functional. Uh, it's just the... like Doom. <laughs> That's, feels... I'm, I'm sorry. To, to bring that up real quick, okay. I got into a little bit of an internet slap fight because somebody charitably uh, compared this game to Doom. And I was like, on what fucking planet does any part of this game play like Doom other than the perspective being first person? And the response I got was like, you know, some people aren't talking about the 2016 Doom. There's still people out there who are talking about the original Doom from 1993. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, all those parts in the original Doom where you aim down sights. Yeah, remember the vertical... Around? all the vertical movement in doom and yeah you're tethering around and uh also you have one gun and it has unlimited ammo it's just like doom <laughs> uh anyway i think the game plays fine it's not outstanding or anything but it's okay i actually think the art direction is pretty good for the most part no <laughs> no i I think the game looks like crap. Okay, whatever. I'm not a fan of it. I, I just don't like how the characters look, but I also just thought, like, graphically, it did not look good. Okay. If you say so. The fidelity of it's pretty garbage. Hmm. Right. I had it on high settings, too, and it also was, like, kind of running bad. Um, this might be a PC problem. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. On Xbox, runs fine. I thought it looked pretty good. So... Yeah. The point of this is, despite these issues, I still consider it the second worst game of the year because the dialogue is so bad and so annoying yeah. that it completely ruins any enjoyment I might have. Also, I should mention that it is sort of a, a search action game in a way, and yeah. I am a huge sucker for that kind of thing, and so that's partly why I put up with it as long as I did. Also, I think the, the boss fights are pretty good, actually. That first boss that I played just felt so spongy that I was like done with that fight about halfway in. Uh, That one was kind of iffy. The the second one is pretty good. He's like like, drilling around and stuff. I played it for maybe two hours. I know the exact moment I fell off the game was when they were just like, hey, uh, now that you've beaten the first boss and everything, did you know you could go into the options and lower the frequency of the dialogue? And I was like, fuck you. And just shut the game off and uninstalled. (laughs) (laughs) Like how... how dare you do that to me for this much of a span of time and then tell me there's an option. I don't know how you didn't find that earlier because I found it pretty much immediately, yeah. uh, but I wanted to have the full experience. So until basically that point, I played it with uh, the verbosity at full. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, and I then think after that... that I turned it down and I was like, this makes it a lot better. Yeah. And, and that's the thing though, is if the verbosity is at full, that's the way that, that God intended you to play that game yeah. is with the dialogue being as frequent as it is. And, and yeah, it's, uh, I, I just didn't find it funny. I found all of it to be very obnoxious. Every yeah, time a character it helps started a lot talking, when you get a, a gun voice by JB smooth who talks yeah, that to sounds you. Fine. Yeah. Uh, I kept trying to kill every NPC that talked to me, especially, especially your sister. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> the moment I had a gun, I was like, the first thing I'm doing, I'm going back there and I'm putting one between her eyes. And like the game won't let you do with a little board guns like, ah, ah, Jay Wes, I don't think that you should shoot her. Uh, let's uh, let's put the gun down now. Uh, no more shooting for now. Well, I know you like shooting people, but I think maybe we should leave her alone. And it's just like in all out of all the games, you think that they would just kind of let you like kind of fuck around with the world and like yeah. destroy shit and sort of ruin the pathing of the game. Something like this would be the most suited for that. But they won't let you break any of that because it would mean interfering with all this fantastic dialogue that just <laughs> Royland is delivering. Like the one time you can kill an NPC, it's because they tee it up as a joke. Yeah. And I don't know if like any of that changes later on in the game, but it just, no, it was very restrictive in the way that it was allowing me to interact with the world in a way that I thought was kind of antithetical to what I thought that game would be. Yeah. There's one NPC later on um, who you could probably kill. It would change absolutely nothing, but still won't let you do it. I would also say there's some kind of interesting stuff in the game mechanics with like teleporting in chunks of level from other places and things like that. They're kind of neat. Um, But yes, everything about the dialogue and sense of humor in this game is so awful. Yeah. There was a, you get that knife and it belongs to the guy who's now crashing at your place. And it's just like, I want you to stab him, go back and stab him. And I thought, even though the game at this point conditioned me, to reasonably not expect otherwise i thought like oh maybe this is sort of like a choice that you can make and you could just like kill this guy and it will kind of alter that dynamic when you're back in your hub area and your like base and you stab him and he's just like oh ow ooh, owie owie you stabbed me and like that's it he just complains about it yeah <sighs> fuck ass game <laughs> <laughs> red letter media guys got to check so you know yeah support and rich then, uh, evans you think just... of how many pac-man tie-dye shirts he can buy now <laughs> well that's uh our shared number two is uh i almost said drawn to death high on life <laughs> not too far i suppose no, not really uh what's your number one my number one uh number boy. one boy talk about uh old franchises that you've had a lot of love for you've enjoyed previous games in the franchise no you played sonic frontiers (laughs) no i'm talking about games where i liked the previous ones i just said well yeah you like sonic cd famously you love sonic cd absolutely not you can't stop talking about how much you appreciate the verticality of sonic cd (laughs) how dare you Larry Davis has told me on numerous occasions how much he loves going between the past and the future in Sonic CD. I love the conveyor belts. I love the springs. <laughs> they should make it more difficult to time travel, you've told me. Uh, there was a new Saints Row game this year. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and uh, boy, it's awful. Uh, they made Saints Row woke. I mean, kind of, but that's not the problem with it. Uh, Saints Saints Roke. Woke Row? So, (laughs) 
I'm sorry. I, I, broke I, your I brain. honestly, I don't even know how to start with this. Like, it's such a miss in every conceivable <laughs> way. You oh, excuse something. me. It's making me sick thinking about Saints Row. <laughs> it it plays terribly. There was a. It's oh, the, me. the most lifeless game that I've played in a long time. Just everything about the cutscene. Look up. Uh-huh. I don't want to tell people listening to look up a video of a cutscene. <laughs> There's a robbery <laughs> early in the game where it's sort of set up. It's like, all right, we're going to go rob a place. Got to get some cash for operation. And like, nothing happens. In it. There's no music in it. it there, there are no jokes. Like Nothing about the game is funny. When I was watching footage of it graphically, it looks even worse than like a early last gen game. It looks pretty bad. Like um, the, the interior locations just seemed like they were so devoid of any like set dressing or lighting that I, felt authentic or like current gen. It it does just like feel unfinished. Is the yeah. Thing. Um. Well, even like looking there were times at times, I put on like clothes, it. and it just like made part of my limbs disappear. <laughs> uh, That's maybe a bug you leave in the game, though. I'm going to say I mean, it was kind of neat being turned into a Rayman for a bit, but <laughs> um, you got to make your own yeah, Rayman sequel because Ubisoft sure as hell won't. It's just disappointing. Um, yeah, you were showing me I, like I feel footage like, of. Okay, um, here's the thing. They're doing a reboot of Saints Row. I understand. There aren't that many places you can go after four. Uh, uh, well, I mean, there is one place you could go. Time and, travel. Yeah which, yeah, which was teased at the end of it, but they're not yeah. going to do that. I understand. But the There's approach of going... returns at that point, too. Like, I want to say that they were not, uh, like, get out of hell to not make what they wanted it to make. It didn't, right. but that was also, like, a small-scale, like, Xbox Live Arcade game, so... Uh, well, yeah. I think, like, even, even 4, though, didn't really, like, live up to their expectations. I might be wrong about I that. I don't know. I liked 4 a lot. I um, thought 4 was great as well. But, yeah, it, I the sort of heights that they go to and that it's really hard to keep like topping that yes so the approach to go with i think what they were maybe trying to do uh which is like go somewhere between two and three like have a tone that's not as self-serious as two but also not quite as wacky as three gotta bring it back down fine that's okay what they did was they made something that is more boring than one or two and then maybe inserted some things from later games like it has the insurance fraud stuff but none of it works <laughs> honestly i don't know how to articulate my thoughts on this because I... every moment playing it i wish yeah. i was doing something else there are parts... yeah, every moment talking about it you sound like you want to be doing something else um it's depressing. <laughs> it really is. It makes me sad thinking about this game. I saw footage of this game, both that you have sent me and that other people have played. And like the, the main thing. So I already wasn't going to buy it right off the bat because I figured like, ah, oh, it's going to go on sale like super fast, whatever. And then like started seeing footage of it, like after release and going, Oh no, <laughs> yeah. I have, I have dodged the biggest of bullets. Um, 
because everything about like the actual moment-to-moment gameplay just it's not even that it's badly designed although it is that too it seems straight up broken like it is so glitchy it's so dragged down by bugs that good luck getting the game to operate on the already baseline shitty level that they want you to be playing it at and it there are just things where you can sort of see what they were trying to do the opening sequence you can tell is supposed to be like the bombastic thing like the opening of uh saints row 3 where they rob the place and you know you're on the safe shooting a guy's while it's being towed by a helicopter all that stuff yeah but then that it's it's just oh none of it has that level of bombast none of it has any sort of excitement it feels like you're shooting nerf darts at the enemies yeah looking into the dead hollow eyes of something that you used to love and just not seeing anything looking back at you that has any life this is the best way i can describe this it is like a direct to red box movie sequel (laughs) to like a series of movies that you once enjoyed this would star bruce willis is what i'm saying that is incredibly disrespectful to bruce willis I think that he would have Iris Sanders in starring in Saints Row. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I, I I saw some of the more like set piece sequences, and it it feels like they just sort of lack production value that even like these games that are like what ten fifteen years old now had. Yeah, I like mean, um, yeah. Look, look at the part and again telling someone to look up a cutscene yeah. from a game. The beginning part with a jet it's just like the camera movements and cuts and stuff are so amateurish. Yeah. It, it come a long way from the, uh, Kanye West better playing when you take over that penthouse. Like one of the best moments of Saints throw the power. third power. I'm sorry, whatever. Um, were you thinking of stronger? I'm, I'm thinking of stronger. Yeah. Because <laughs> better, faster, stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I went to better first, uh, whatever. But now jump ahead to the current day. You have a Saints Row that's lifeless, and you have a Kanye West that <laughs> has said some regrettable uh-huh. things. Uh-huh. <laughs> These two things that you once loved are now rotten shells of what they once were. Um, yeah, it, like... I would accept if I had played this, I think it probably would be my number one just based on talking to you and, and the footage that I've seen from it. It feels like this is a super easy answer. Well, actually, it feels like the easy, the easy answer, the cop out would be to say that High on Life is the worst game of the year. But like High on Life, for as much as I do not like the way that it controls or the way that the gameplay feels or the presentation or the dialogue of it, it's at least not busted. I would rather finish High on Life than finish Saints Row. Easy. And I think that's no fair. problem. Yeah. I, because I, I think I'm also there with you. I, I really like Saints Row the third a lot. I love Saints Row four. I'm oh, surprised yeah, to find out like, that that's I don't life, like whatever. I already don't like Rick and Morty. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Saints with, Row, they desecrated the series. <laughs> I will. Yeah. Uh, Agents of Mayhem is better than this game. Fuck. <laughs> Going for the throat. Um, <laughs> You yeah, know what Agents I, of Mayhem has Johnny Gat. That's fair. It does. Uh, yeah, like um, I I was surprised to find out that like 
in the Saints Row like fan community, apparently like there's a bunch of there's a vocal contingent of people who don't like three because it's like too I wacky or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, like, that's I, not surprising to me. Three is such a good game, though. Also, it's it's weird to take issue with three specifically because three still that was a pretty good blend between like two and four. Yeah. If they hated four, it's like yeah, I understand. I like four, but it's bomb. I can get it. As you said, it's a, it's a very loud. It's very over the top. Yeah, um, but it didn't go full on into the sci-fi stuff until the following game, and I can understand yeah. people not liking four for that reason. But uh, yeah, I, I think that rebooting. I mean, I'm, the I'm sure. Yes, there are people who are very adamant. Yeah. Like uh, they hate the character assassination of Shondi or Pierce. <laughs> I, okay, man, great. Those aren't people. Those are goons. You know what? Um, I like it when uh, Keith David appears as himself and fights Rowdy Roddy Piper because yeah. that's entertaining to me. Yes. Anyway, there's nothing entertaining about the new Saints Row. No, there is not. Oh, my number one. And that's maybe I think the biggest bummer and the thing that makes this hard to talk about is yeah. it's not even bad in a funny well, way. Move on to my number one, so we don't have to go through this uh, painful number recounting one. of your time with a uh, sense row. Number one, my number one is Gungrave Gore. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they made a bad Gungrave game. Um, I, don't, it, I don't think this should be number one. <laughs> it's it is definitely my number one. All so. Right. Gungrave Gore is a perfect simulacrum of a game that you have played in the year like 2004, 2005, uh, except if that game were also picked out of like the $5 game bin at Walmart because they got too many copies and they can't move them. You know, I'm going to say Gungrave Overdose, I think, came out at $20. It was a lot better than this. No shit. (laughs) Yeah. So I thankfully you know what else Gungrave on... Overdose had? A character named Rocket Billy Red Cadillac, who is not yeah. in this game. No, of course. Why wouldn't he? Why... Ah! So I don't have too much of a familiarity with the original Gungrave games. I didn't play them a whole lot back in the day. I think I kind of like goofed around on them a little bit. Uh, I have like a <laughs> Hold on a second. No, you did not. Because if you did, you would have finished it. Because the first Gungrave is like two hours long. There's a chance. I fi- this is so long ago. That I could not tell you definitively. Okay, at the end of Gungrave 1, you like go to heaven and you're like fighting angels and stuff. And also, Metal Gear Solid 3 ripped off the ending (laughs) of Gungrave. Wait, what? (laughs) At the end of Gungrave, you uh, fight your former friend. He's the final boss. And then it shows a scene where you are aiming your gun at him and it just stays there until you press the fire button to actually shoot him. Pretty good. Um, no, my, so most of my familiarity with Gungrave, and I, this is why I'm trying to get to this because it's very funny, is with the anime. The anime I watched start to finish <laughs> on G4, which for Zoomers is a channel that was all about video games for about two years until it was mostly about cops and cheaters. Um, but as for Zoomers a while, would know it as a YouTube channel that went woke. <laughs> Uh, except for Adam Sessler, who has some very fucked up things to say about trans people. <laughs> yeah, Adam Sessler is over here looking like a character from The Lighthouse. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, I don't even think the seagulls would want to pick through that man's guts. Uh, <laughs> Probably not. But they aired the gun grave. You know he's uh, going for that mermaid, though. <laughs> I watched the entire gun grave anime when it was airing on there, and I was completely enthralled by it because it was just so completely over the top and wacky, and I was way into it. Uh, so a lot of my affection for Gungrave is specifically with the anime and not the old games. So it was easier for me to kind of break away from this one because them fucking it up wasn't such a sacred thing to me that it was like breaking my heart. But they definitely still fucked it up. Uh, a lot of this game is just going through very linear hallways. There's no reason to deviate off your path. You're chaining combos together by constantly mashing the trigger on your controller instead of just holding it down. Which as someone who has previously had a trigger finger where the tendon just locks up in there where's my hand out like maybe two minutes into a level like i can't play this game very long so in the old games shooting was just on a button and i don't know why they changed that yeah so that is one thing i know is that this is something that the old games got right i don't know why they make it a manual like you constantly have to click it It, yes it's really annoying tendonitis simulator i fucking can't stand it uh but like the levels just they they drag they're only like really five minutes long but somehow they feel like they're 20 minute slogs like they always felt longer to me than they actually were maybe some of that is like physically getting worn out but i think like a lot of it is there's very little enemy variety there's very little places to go inside levels. There's no exploration to speak of whatsoever. Every level is essentially a straight line, more or less. Um, it's just dull. It was incredibly boring to sit down and play that. And then I got to the train level. Ah. <laughs> now, okay, worst level of 2022 is definitely yeah train level. I look, all right, after playing this, and after I got through it, I looked at the uh, reviews on the Microsoft store for this game. Every single negative one was about the train level, and Perfect. I do not blame them. Yeah, it, it is uh, impressively ill-conceived, that yeah. level. Um, I, there's, it's easy to just kind of say, like, Oh, somebody didn't play test this, like to dismiss something that's bad. I, I legitimately don't think anyone played test this level. Here's the thing. Because I, when I uncovered the secret to this level, this is a case where someone did play test it, but it was somebody who already knew how it worked. Nobody yeah. from outside the company played it. <laughs> that's what you want when you design your video game. Yeah. Um, so the train level, it, it you have to race to the other end of this train, and some of the level takes place inside the actual train compartments, and some of them take place on top of the train. The ones that are in the train compartments aren't really problematic, but because you're in a train and it is purely a straight line that does not offer very much like space to your left or right, all of the shooting is even more brain-dead than it is in any of the previous levels, which already is really brain-dead. Uh, so I'll say like that's the case in the old games too like you're kind of just mashing the button and watching stuff happen except as i mentioned the thing is the first game looked really cool it was like cell shaded uh and it's short like you just blow through that thing it's like it's a fun rental i don't know how you're watching any will happen in that train though because the camera is so close to graves back i'm not saying in the new one i'm i'm saying in the old one that was the case um 
and Gungrape Overdose I felt played better, but again, it's a fairly short game. It was a budget thing when it came out, so yeah. And it had Rocket Billy Red Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> like that was the sort of the replay factor was you yeah. had the other two characters so you could play through it. So the the problem with this level primarily is the bits where you get on top of the train because it basically oh there's a tunnel coming up so you need to quickly get to the other end of the train within a time limit to get down and before you start or do you but we'll loop back around to that um you also have to shoot guys that are on top of the train you got drones that are coming in behind you it's kind of a pain in the ass to like swerve the camera around and do like crowd control when you have very limited space to move around on i don't remember there being anything behind you the drones come in behind you and oh, they also okay. like hit like a truck. They, they take a ton of your health off. Um, you I also got like, like mines uh, being the biggest problem. Yeah. You got mines. You also got like uh, signs that are kind of coming in low and high. And so you have to dodge those. And so you just have like a tremendous amount of stuff that you have to manage. You got like some enemies with shields and shields can only be taken out with a very specific kind of shot. And it's just kind of this cluster fuck of all these different obstacles while also putting you under the pressure of a time limit and giving you very little space to move. And if you decide like, oh, I'm just going to try to like run past everything and get there, like very good odds you're just going to kick, get kicked off the side of the train. Yeah, because and like, then the, check the enemy will hit you and then you'll hit a mine and then yeah, yeah. you just get juggled around. Or you'll do what happened to me a ton of times, which is you kind of get caught on the very corner of the train and then like grave wobbles around a little bit and then ultimately decides that he's going to fall off. Mm. Um, or he'll land there and he'll get up and then he'll fall as he's getting up. But he was totally <laughs> fine when he was laying down, <laughs> which okay. is my fucking favorite. Um, but yeah, it's just the level goes on entirely too long as well. Like even just compared to the general lengths of the other levels where they feel long, but they aren't long. Like this one actually is just long and it's a straight line. Um, and the obstacles are just no fun to deal with, but I kept dying to this one part where it just seemed like it was physically impossible to get to the objective in time and not, which is the killed. end, by the way, it's the yeah. very end of the level. I started counting at some point And I know I tried 13 times after I started counting, but I must've taken like a good 25 to 30 runs at that thing. So uh, yeah, you were telling me about this. I hadn't gotten to that point yet. And I was thinking like, there must be something you're doing wrong. <laughs> like oh, basically you. me thinking this idiot like he's so terrible at games <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way he's doing this right and, well actually it turns out that's true but i can't blame you for not figuring this one out because the main thing is it makes you feel like there's a time limit and you have to get to the end but there actually isn't you have no. to get you do have to get to the end before um basically you enter this tunnel uh, that will kill you because you're yeah. on top of a train um but even though the level is like moving and giving the illusion of like that you're moving along the track you're not actually progressing along the track until you reach a certain point it's like when a character you get to a certain point at the top of the train a character on the radio says like you need to get moving or whatever that's yeah. actually basically when it starts a countdown because then that's when the tunnel actually starts coming towards you. So yeah. you can stay at the back, like on top of the train, killing the enemies and inching your way forward to actually clear a path. 
and then once that happens like book it to the end and you can yeah get there but but is it is very deceptive about that yes um because it does it it genuinely looked to me like that tunnel is getting closer yeah even when i was hanging back there i looked up i kind uh, of just suspected that might be the case and so i tested it by like standing at the front and noticing it was not actually getting closer I decided to go back and look what I sent t- sent you on Discord when I was playing this uh, so I can capture the moment in time that I was enraged by this level. And I had said, I don't know if you got to this train level, but holy fuck, this is rancid. <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, I guess that's Gungrave. I'm not playing any more of this. Um, just a... I, Sonic Frontiers is bad. It's not a good game, and I've ranted endlessly about it, but I also, like, was able to, like, finish that. Um, High on life, I don't think I was particularly enthralled by the way that game actually plays. I definitely don't like its sense of humor or any of its presentation or its dialogue, but, like, it still seems like it is doing something competently enough. It's a game you could sit down and finish. I just wanted nothing to do with Gungrave Gore after I hit that train level. Like I was mm. completely, I don't care what the rest of that game is like. I can't imagine it getting much better. I played some more after that and it doesn't really change any. It just goes back to the normal sort of mediocrity yeah. before that. Uh, I would rather play that than high online for Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, but I, I would also say, I'll give a quick shout out here. I forgot to during gizmos that if you want sort of a throwback action game, check out evil West. Uh, it's mm. very good so far. I'm enjoying it. Don't check out Gungrave Gore or do no. Yeah, you can, you can check it out. If you have game pass, it won't cost I you anything. Prefer that you don't though. That takes up hard, hard drive space. And that's, you know, you can put <laughs> other stuff on your hard drive. I, you put, Pictures or movies, uh, photos of your family, uh, music that you like to listen to in your hard drive. You don't have to put Gungrave Gore on there. Okay. Also, I will say I never watched the anime. I'm a fan how, of the first two games. Never watched the anime. dare you? <laughs> I have no attachment to it. <laughs> it's my Andrew Tate version of how dare you. Um, when I saw that tweet, the fucked up part of my brain is like, I can't read How Dare You in anything other than Adam Carolla's voice anymore. So now that just like came through Andrew Tate's mouth, essentially. So It was also funny because like, I guess he was supposed to be making fun of her saying that when she was like a literal child. <laughs> but instead, it's just like, it makes him look like a fancy lad wanting to duel at dawn. <laughs> well, that's our worst games of the year. Uh-huh. Now it's time for the biggest uh, shitstorm of the year okay hit me compared to past years i'm just going to be up front is not as much of a shit storm um not as much raping happening this year not as much rape thankfully happening this year in video games not that there is none happening whatsoever i'm sure there is a nauseating amount of rape occurring in the game industry which is to say any amount at all um not as much pipes falling on people's heads while they're being forced <laughs> to render like people's larynxes getting ripped out of their throats. Um, sure, there's maybe some sweatshop conditions going on at From Software, but they made Sekiro, so we don't really feel bad about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is their punishment. 
That is the official stance of Larry Davis and also myself. <laughs> okay. The biggest clusterfuck this year is everything surrounding Helena Taylor and her oh. contributions to Bayonetta. Yes. Okay. Uh, mostly, so I think I've clarified this in the past because it was either last year or the year before where it was like, the winter was like some really dark stuff. I think it pretty much was like all the rape allegations going on at like, uh, it was like blizzard, I think blizzard or Activision or same thing. Yeah. Uh, typically this category is reserved for a clusterfuck. That's also kind of funny. Like, you know, somebody losing a hard drive full of, um, magician porn out of medieval times. <laughs> yes. That's and probably the, the all time best one. It really is. I don't think anything can really outdo that. Um, there were there were two very strong contenders for this. Ultimately, I went with the Helena Taylor one just because the whole he said, she said sort of aspect of this really fucked people's brains up for about a week. Yeah, um, like this, the revelations kept coming. It was twisting. Yeah. So initially, everyone implicitly. So actually, to kind of go at the start of this thing, Helena Taylor was not voicing Bayonetta in Bayonetta three. Uh, the reason for this was that there was a pay dispute, and initially, this was framed as Helena Taylor saying they wanted to pay me scraps for this role, and you know, there's a lot of mistreatment of voice actors in the industry. I mean, it's not uh, just framed as that. She put out the video saying that. Yeah, but I'm saying she tried to frame yes. it that way. Uh, everything that she said was in fact not true <laughs> it was a lie it was dishonest we made it up that was an invention from our writers <laughs> um but people implicitly believed her and i don't think that they didn't believe her for good reason because the point that she makes that there's a lot of mistreatment of voice actors and a lot of uh poor pay in that industry that is true correct like that's the thing like i can't blame anybody for believing i did because yeah. that happens all the time i did not <laughs> i i somewhat believed it so i was willing to go in with taylor initially but i still felt there was just something kind of like fishy about the whole no, thing you did not you're making this up revisionist history again from george brundle i i don't think i believe it from what i remember i didn't believe her 100 percent. i was like 70 percent on board with what she for was me, saying and i was, was kind of like that um kamiya's response to it made him look really guilty yes i i think that was the point where i started coming around more to what she was saying was when kamiya piped up uh which is the funniest part of the entire thing to me actually is kamiya having this like totally brain dead response to everything mm-hmm and then doing his usual Twitter shtick of I'm going to block everyone who I just am like mildly annoyed with, except he did it so much that he got flagged by Twitter as like a bot and got banned. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yes, when, when specifically that he was blocking anybody who was asking anything about it just made it seem like, oh, she was right the whole time. Yeah. Kamiya, not very good at PR. <laughs> Shocking. No, uh, the, the bad part about this is there's there's a lot of fine folks that work for him, but because he is often viewed as sort of the voice box of that company, it really started to reflect poorly on people who were not responsible for any of this shit. Like, there were a lot of people just being like, oh, Platinum Games fucking sucks. Oh, fuck Platinum Games. And it's like, not really, though. Like, fuck Kamiya 
and fuck Helena Taylor. They're garbage people, but the people at, at Platinum, they're fine. Eh, I don't know. They made Astral Chain. I'm saying don't harass the developers of Bayonetta 3 over no. this, which is the sort of thing that started happening as people started getting really shitty about the developers in a way that was undeserved. Um, yes. And then it just all starts coming out that Helena Taylor was spinning some bullshit. Apparently none of this was true. <laughs> she was offered a adequate sum of money for her contributions to Bayonetta she wanted a ridiculous sum of money instead, and they basically said, well, we regret this, but we kind of have to go with somebody else. And she I made mean, all... So more than that, she made the ridiculous uh, request, and then Kamiya actually sort of met her part of the way and yeah, gave it a yeah. raise, and she still did not take it. Yeah, and there was also the, the whole thing of her, like, going oh this is a multi-billion dollar franchise and everything it's like i know it isn't where are you getting your numbers from like that is the the that was the most immediately suspicious thing to me was framing the bayonetta franchise as like a multi-billion dollar property when it's like the only reason these games exist anymore is because nintendo has been bankrolling the last two yes like the, i hate to break it to you but platinum studios takes on a lot of dog shit products be, uh, projects because they need the money Unfortunately, you... that's how we ended up with uh, mutants in Manhattan. Yeah, I was going to say, why do you think that Legend of Korra game exists? It's Ugh. not because they had any passion for it. It's because they needed to basically do a one for you, one for us kind of thing. Um, that was a lot of ones for you for a long time. <laughs> All I'm saying is, if they were, if Where's they had a Vanquish multi two, if they had a multi billion dollar IP on their hands, uh, that scale bound game definitely would have got made. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that seemed bad to begin with, though. It, it to did. be honest. But her claims had some stuff about them that were fishy to begin with. But I, I think the important thing about this particular clusterfuck is the lesson that you maybe shouldn't immediately go in on what somebody is saying over a contract dispute. They might be right. They might be a hundred percent right. But do you want to be the person who's eating shit like two days later? when a report is coming out that debunks everything that the person had a problem with. I think the moral here is that women be lying. <laughs> That's what I got from it. Quite, I don't know what you're talking uh, about. Ugh, it's not quite what I meant. <laughs> I think it is. No, I just, in the game industry, there is a, a lot of stuff like this of just like two developers working together or like people having an issue with a publisher. And like sometimes that stuff pans out and the people who are initially bringing that complaint forward, they're 100 percent in the right. But th there's been stuff like this, too, where it, it, someone's just being shitty and trying to drag another entity that did not actually do the things that they were being accused of doing. Yeah, sometimes. Um, but women do be lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's... Uh... The other thing that made this fishy to begin with was uh, that she was replaced by Jen Taylor, who has been pretty yeah. vocal about rights for voice actors. Um, yeah. And so the idea of her... Who also is not her, a cheap hire. No, that's true. Um, and so yeah, that, that was sort of the first thing that made me think, hmm... <laughs> I think there was also some stuff that came out later about like if you go through Helena Taylor's uh, Twitter history, she's said some kind of turfy stuff. Well, I mean, she's British, so of course, yeah, that's yeah. The, that, that would be more surprising if she didn't. 
Although yes. it is strange to come from someone who voices Bayonetta of all yeah. things. Anyway, it's uh, that I thought was the biggest clusterfuck of the year, but I will say coming in an extremely, extremely, extremely close second to the point that I still kind of want to talk about it. Number is two. Yuji Naka going to jail twice. <laughs> Whoa, Black Betty. Blan, Blan. I made Blan Wonderworld, now I'm going to jail. <laughs> It was really difficult trying to come up with a winner for this one, because um, the Eugenok thing is just so so fucking funny. Um, it really is. But I feel like less I'm people. Have a nicer guy. It, yeah, less people actually got harmed in this, I guess. Um, so my whole thing was Square Enix, because uh, they just announced like yesterday at the time of recording this that they were going to double down on NFTs, even though the market for that has completely blown out. Um, <laughs> They sold all those IPs for like pennies on the dollar. And then like the next day there was a huge crash in the crypto market. So that already just blew up in their face immediately. Um, I'm starting to think Square Enix is entirely run by people who are really into financial scams. And then there's like Yoshi P and Nomura. And they're like the only two dudes in there who like want to make video games. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, uh, they're... <laughs> Over the years, all their things of saying like, the, oh, these games did not meet our expectations, like for Hitman and Tomb Raider, when yeah. they sold completely fine, it's like, there must be some, they're cooking the books in there or something. Yeah. There's definitely this mentality over at Square where it is absolutely about the profit margin. They do not give a shit about the craft. And I understand that that's true of a lot of publishers. But there's something so naked about the way that Square embraces that philosophy that makes them look like the worst about it. Uh, and yes. part of that is just their embrace of NFTs, which already just seem like a scam on their face and wanting to get deep into crypto. But then you got like some of their executives there just doing insider trading, including Yuji Naka, the father of Sonic and Balan Wonderworld. And then he goes to jail, this like industry icon. And not only does he go to jail for it once, gets out of jail for like two weeks and then they arrest him again. <laughs> That's the funniest part. <laughs> They're just, the Japanese police are just like, wait a second, we found even more financial crimes. And then they cuff him a second time. I just imagine Yuji Naka walking out of the jail with <laughs> Grandpa Simpson, just doing a quick <laughs> loop around and then right back in. Oh, holy shit. So, Yuji Naka, who already is like an industry pariah at this point, who has been like, <laughs> I completely forgot about it until this moment, like him posting pictures of like events yes. for Nights into Dreams and like scrubbing Oshima out of them because he's got beef. Because <laughs> he's just a petty little baby. So, Yuji Naka, who's already doing stuff like he this, who's already. Outrun. Uh, no, he didn't make Outrun. Was that you suzuki i think it was you suzuki okay yeah um, that makes sense Yu suzuki made all the good ones yeah uh so yeah yuji naka who has been known for a long time to just be this huge There's asshole this, yeah yeah we'll get there oh, well. <laughs> uh, this huge asshole he's a pain in the ass to work with he's done stuff like this to oshima to try to like scapegoat the problems for balan wonderworld he made balan wonderworld he can no longer make games because of balan wonderworld and now also he is a criminal 
uh, which is just a very funny trajectory for his career to take. Um, so yeah, that was my my runner up. I I do think all that Eugene Naga stuff is pretty funny. You're not but, um, allowed to have runner ups. Well, too bad. Oh, um, okay, I'm, I'm also going to make a bold it. bold prediction off the heels of this. I mm-hmm. think within the next ten years, Square Enix either stops being a company because the company itself gets caught up in like a major financial scandal, or like the very tippy top of like their executives get caught up in some really illicit shit, and the whole company has a major restructuring. I think that's more likely. I don't yeah. think like, the company itself will fold, but yes, there's definitely something up. Yeah. If you think Yuji Naka is the typical... Yuji flips. Like, oh. they, they get in their room, interrogate him, he turns over the whole crew. I know it was you, Naka. You broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to take Naka out on a boat. Big the cat's going to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh just looking at all the, the the way that they conduct themselves the way that they've kind of framed how they do business and all this stuff like if you think yuji naka is the tip of the criminal iceberg at square enix you gotta be fucking kidding oh absolutely not yeah there's there's bigger fish in that tank um <laughs> what's the name of the the current uh ceo I don't know. I'm just imagining him running through the snow like Tony Soprano. <laughs> yeah. Yuji Naka and Jill just trying to figure out how to make everything work with his like, fat uh, fucking wife. At this point, <laughs> at this point, who's Yuji Naka? Like Yuji's not even like Johnny Sack. He's like, uh, <laughs> he's that man. dude who wanted to retire and ends up hanging himself because Tony says no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually pretty much. Uh, maybe he's a uh, Tony Blundetto. Uh, his version of doing that hit was making Bland Wonderworld, and so they had to put him down. Yeah, maybe. There's a okay. lot of there's a lot of pathetic analogs in the Sopranos <laughs> that Yujinaka fits in with. That's true. Like he's uh, not Bobby Baclieri because he's not that cool. Yeah, it's that's fair. So final, yeah. final category of the night: uh-huh. worst old game. Whoa. Okay. Have you played a worst old game similar to how you played a best old game? Oh. Does Sekiro count? It, only if you played it for the first time. No. Okay. Okay. Hey, let's talk about Shinmu. Not good. <laughs> I love the idea of Shinmu. <laughs> I want you, by the way, through this entire segment, I just want you to play that, like, theme that plays when you're staring at your watch in your bedroom <laughs> for the entire duration of the rest of this podcast. Well, Vinny's acoustic car, uh, guitar playing <laughs> while waiting for it. Um, I love <laughs> the memories of playing Shenmue when it came out. Thanks it for was... the memories, even though they weren't so great. <laughs> The Chuckle Brothers are here. Uh, <laughs> Shinmu was a revolutionary game at the time. Yep. Yeah, well, that's what revolutionary means. <laughs> it's not a revolutionary game today. No, keep keep talking. Shut keep up. Going. Keep going. Uh, 
it introduced a lot of things that now are in every game at the time <laughs> at the time it introduced many things there in uh plenty of games today highly influential uh and it should never have existed we were, we're all worse off for it at the time uh without <laughs> shinmu we would not have qtes we would not have endless cutscenes of people talking to each other we wouldn't have tom uh, yeah you know what you're right it's worth it for tom I, I was ear-to-ear grinning in Shinmu 2 when they name-dropped Tom at the very end of the game. I forgot they did. Yeah, well, I don't think anyone's played Shinmu 2 to the end of the game besides me, so... I did, um, on the Xbox. So I, I'm kind of roping Shinmu... Around. I'm, I'm roping Shinmu 1 and 2 together, but really the, the winner in my heart is Shinmu the first. Um, winner of worst. Yeah, so... I did keep bringing it up as a as a joke, but you've expressed this in the past, and I agree with it completely. This is the most of-the-time game that has ever existed, I think, in the history of the medium. Yeah. Everything that it's done was very big when it came out. Absolutely none of it has held up. Yep. Um, it was crazy back then, at the time. I <laughs> Very impressive. I wanted to film a video and I just, I couldn't get my voice to do it where I was in front of the drawer in Ryu's room and I was going to be like, Hey everyone, it's my first time playing Shimu. Let's check out what's inside these drawers. And then opening it up and it's just socks and screaming so loud. The audio just completely spikes on my cell phone. Um, but it's stuff like that. Like back in the day, just being able to go pick up like a, at that time, highly detailed render of like an orange and just like look at it was something that no other game was doing nowadays you take stuff like that so for granted like being able to just go into a a building or to just like kind of hang out and spend a day in the life of whatever character you're occupying but modern games just do such a better job of actually getting you engaged with that yeah um also like the thing is you have this series from Sega, right? Shinmu, it has all of this life simulation stuff. It has yeah. some like combat in it. Yeah. And it's, it's a very good foundation and the next game is probably going to be better. <laughs> well, my point was that then uh, a few years later, I, uh, what was it? 2000, 2004, maybe it was the first one. Yeah, something like that. You don't even know what I'm talking about. Not something like that. It's around there. Well, I mean, that's around when the game came out. 2004? <laughs> well, no, more like 1999. No, I'm saying like in 2004, uh, 2000? they decided they decide to take the things from this game that worked mm. and make a new series called Ryu Gagatoku. Yeah. Like a dragon. No, see, I know where you were going. Yeah. I don't think you did. <laughs> well, no, I, I knew that you were going to Yakuza because yes. Yakuza is the spiritual successor of Shinmu and also right. a series that, that takes everything that Shinmu laid out and actually like made a playable video game out of it. Yes. Like they took the whole thing of like, ah, oh, you can uh, go to capsule machines and get the toys out of them. That's neat. You can go to the arcade and play arcade games. Uh, can and, and Ryu they... Haizuki make a chicken the manager of a bowling alley? I think not. Absolutely not. Um, but yes, they took the things that worked and then they made the actual game part more fun and they took out the annoying crap, uh, 
And yet, despite that series existing, people just kept asking for more Shinmu. We need to save Shinmu. We need a third one. We have to find out where the story goes. It's guess what? (laughs) It doesn't go anywhere. Shinmu, as I was playing it, um, it's the kind of series that if you did like a, a drama, like just a show out of it, probably would be way into that. Like the actual, um, well, have you watched the anime? I know that there's an anime, but the intriguing thing about the anime is it also only covers the first two games. So <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like if you did like a live action drama or something like that, there's a there's a there's a good prestige television show that exists within Shinmu that's just begging to bust out of there. There's like a really good Japanese soap opera that exists inside of this thing, like the all the stuff about the way that they handle kind of the weight of revenge and the way that it's impacting ryu and how it's worsening the lives of the people around him i think that stuff's handled fantastic it's delivered in a very ropey way because of how bad the uh, voice acting is but i the heart of it is there and it's yeah, good I agree with that um just a shame about literally every other <laughs> single thing surrounding that because it's all terrible. It would be um, so good though if they did like make a live action series, except it was exactly the same as the game. So you'd just have like an old guy in live action saying, I used to be Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard That's about the three blades? Hmm? <laughs> What's that? I would like to know more about the three blades. I'm looking oh, for Oh, the three blades? Oh, what do you want to know about them? I'm looking for more information about the three blades. Hey, Dio! Come on, man, have a hot dog. Rio, do you want to play with the cat? I can't do the kids. I tried, but like my voice is still fucked up. The voice is so bad. Hey, mister, you want to wrestle? Let's get sweaty. Actually, okay. The heart of Shinmu you know is Shinmu very good. One might just, be good. <laughs> maybe. Um, there, it's just like the actual like moment-to-moment gameplay of Shinmu is just very dull. Like yeah. the the combat is just, hey, here's Virtua Fighter, but it seems like it was designed by someone who like played two hours of it once. Um, I mean, the main issue I think is that they sort of um, designed it around fighting multiple enemies yeah and and that's a problem and there's a lot of just the camera kind of getting stuck in really awkward positions because of course it's the sega dreamcast game but um yeah the whole finale of that game the fact that i know that everyone's just like oh the the forklifts oh the the forklifts everybody loves the forklift racing that's like the, the way the game ends though and it's just such a poorly paced thing to have at the end of your game Nobody loves the forklift racing. People, what are you people ironically love it. Like it's oh, okay. a goofy thing that you're racing the forklifts. I don't think it's anyone. It's funny that Rio is in Sonic All Stars racing transformed yes. in the forklift. It's it's a similar thing I think to Big the Cat. I don't think anyone legitimately likes Big the Cat. I think they like the fact that he talks like he's been King Sharked, and that his gameplay was just so ridiculous. But like I don't think anyone legitimately likes him. I don't think anyone no. legitimately likes fishing in a Sonic game. Although I don't know, people like Frontiers. What the fuck do I know? I um, user Maddie on Twitter brought up something which I think is a really good point with Big the Cat, which is that the whole point of fishing is that you don't know what you're going to get. It's basically like a capsule toy, but in real life. 
and then in Big the Cat's missions, it's always you're trying to catch Froggy. So the whole issue is you're just catching the same thing over and over. <laughs> yeah, so about Shinmu, um, they don't tell you that some of those capsules are prizes at the store. So I spent probably a ridiculous amount of time trying to get the supersonic toy out of the capsule and it, I couldn't get it. <laughs> just one more. 90% of my time playing Shinmu was trying to just kill time to move on to the next story beat, and I usually did that by just sitting there and just turning the capsule machine over and over again. <laughs> so there's just, yeah, a lot of him going, hmm, just one more. No, I think I've had enough fun. And then standing up and being like, ooh, a capsule machine. I love these. <laughs> James Woods and Family Guy. Ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> just the object permanence of a brick. Um, Shinmu Rio 2 is, is also very stupid. He really is. Shinmu 2 is also not that much better. Um, it, it is more tightly paced. You're able to get between different events and different locations a lot more quickly, so it is an improvement. Uh, but there's still just like no, nothing happens. Nothing happens. The, the main nothing thing, happens. the main thing that I remember from Shinmu Two, which I actually do like quite a bit, is that there's the one part where you go to the um, like a barber or something, and the whole thing is that you have to stand still, and yeah, so it gives you a QTE where that you have to not press the button to pass yeah. it, and that's cool. Yeah, I like that. And that is it. <laughs> that is yeah. the only thing that you like. Yeah, but okay. basically. I did not like I having like to carry all the books out. with the, uh, the motorcycle. She's cool. Oh, Joy. Yeah, she's got a really good theme song, uh, which also should be the like outro music for this. Um, I will I'm link you both of them. I remember that. I will link you both of them. But yeah, Joy is is great. I There's... Shinmu 2 is a better game. There's better characters in Shinmu 2. I like, um, I'm blanking on his name, uh, but the guy with the bandana, who's basically like your sidekick. Yeah. Got like a Han Solo thing going on. He's just in it for the money. Um, he's great. Uh, but like the whole last act of that game really kind of killed it for me, where you're just mostly talking to that one girl who's from the cover. Cause like, the infuriating part about Shinmu is for years I have seen artwork of Shinmu. I've seen that girl from Shinmu, the one with the hat. You know the girl. It's the yeah. girl from Shinmu. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. on the she's on the cover of like the first game. You hear her talk a couple of times. You're like, who is the, who's this broad? And then you never get there in the first game. And then in the second game, she's on the cover again. You're like, surely she's going to be one of the main characters. And then you don't see her until the very, very end of the game. And she's the most boring character they have ever introduced in Shinmu up to that point. Uh-huh. You just walk around talking to her about, like, how does your village get clean water? It's like, man, I don't <laughs> fucking care. <laughs> I, just, I just almost got kicked off of a roof in, like, Kowloon Walled City. And I'm just talking to this broad about, uh, oh, where's your dad? Oh, he works as a miner? That's very interesting. No, it's not. <laughs> I do not remember this. I've not played Shinmu 2 since the it most, came out. The most interesting part of that conversation is when you are in a cave for the night and she's just like, tell me about your friends. And you're just like, I knew this one guy named Tom. He was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. 
the the weird thing about the last act of Shinmu two is it feels like it should be the first act of Shinmu three. Like you're recapping all the events that have happened in the first two games and reminiscing about them with this girl, and it feels like a way of like letting the audience in on like, hey, remember all this stuff that happened? Here's your journey so far. Here's what you need to understand before you begin the next leg of your adventure. And then it ends with them going into that cave and they find like the bigger versions of the like dragon and Phoenix mirrors and everything. And it's got that big cliffhanger ending. And like the way that's set up, it doesn't feel like an ending. It feels like a late title card. And so my weird head theory is that Yu Suzuki realized they weren't going to make him let him make any more Shinmus ever again. And so he scrapped together what he had for Shinmu three and like put it at the end of the game. Well, don't worry, because uh, I'm sure if he did get to make a Shinmu 3, it would wrap everything up and uh, Rio yeah. would meet oh, sure. Landy. Yeah, uh, probably. Um, he wouldn't do anything like put a stamina bar or anything like that on there, I don't think. That would be a terrible idea. Stamina. If, if I really like sifted through all the old games I played, there might be something worse than Shinmu I played this year, but every time I kept thinking about it, I just kept thinking, like, oh, I fucking hate Shinmu. oh i spent like 30 hours in a fucking video game oh the best parts of shinmu are when you get up and you go to the other room and you play earthworm gym 2 (laughs) for a couple hours because you need to piss away some time in shinmu but then you get to a level where you have to like move the balloon around when you're flying it's like oh maybe i should get back to shinmu you pause it, you get back up, the TV, Ryu's still staring at his watch. It's only been about 15 minutes. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> Guess I'm going back in here. I found I'll put nights into dreams on anything. Oh. Shinmu, not a not a good game. Was a good game. In 1999. Well, that's debatable. Yeah. It was an impressive game in 1999. That's yeah, it it's really tough for me to kind of go like oh here's exactly what i would have thought of this had i played it back then i can kind of guess based on what games that i liked but honestly i I can tell you i liked it back then but there was still plenty of it that was just annoying that's sort of the the place i put myself in is just like i bet i would have just at that time been really bored by a lot of shinmu and i would have been blown away by certain aspects of it but most of it would have just been like I would have bounced off of it maybe five hours in. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, maybe I would have played it back then and I would be on the internet today screaming about getting a Shinmu 4. No well, idea. Well, I'm still doing that. <laughs> they, sh- they should just let him finish it, honestly. <laughs> I Like, fuck it, man. Just let Yu Suzuki see through this really weird vision. I have no fun playing any of these things, but I want him to be able to like tell his story. It's just weird that like, that's the thing that Yu Suzuki's hung up on. Like, yeah, come on, man. You made super hang on, man. Make a new space Harrier or something. Yeah. yeah, Still, it's, it is a, uh, it's a game created from a singular vision. And I think the most interesting thing about that game that holds up today is the story that Yu Suzuki is trying to tell. No matter how clumsy he may be telling it, I want him to be able to finish Uh, telling that story. Yes, uh, this is basically how I feel about James Cameron and Avatar. Yeah, I have no interest in watching it, 
but yeah. I think it's cool that he's out there like making this passion project. Do your Good seven movies. Yeah. yeah, sure. Go for um, it. it. Well, it's also just like, even though I'm not really into it, I want to know how it ends. It's going to be one of those things where it's like, and heaven forbid, and it's really morbid to kind of bring these sorts of things up with any piece of long running media. But if the author of that media passes away, yeah. And they have not left any information behind about where they wanted that story to go. You're never going to know. You're never going to have a a resolution to that story. Um, Yeah. Even if someone else picks up the reins and and carries it to the end, isn't necessarily the same end that you would have had. Did, uh, did Miura leave anything about Berserk? It's debatable. Um, I like think that's that, what comes to mind immediately because it's like the most recent example yeah, of that. I I want to say it's all been speculation that he had left behind some sort of like rough draft document that was like, here's an outline of what the next few arcs of the story are going to be. Mm. Uh, but I don't know if he necessarily wrote it all the way to the end. Uh, he did say a, f- a few years ago that the story was like 70% done. He only made like 15 more chapters in it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so he did at least, I think, have the end in sight and he may have had some kind of idea of what it was going to be. But mm. as far as whether that was recorded or communicated to anybody, I have no idea. I know that the current guy running that comic was a very close personal friend of his and that they did have a lot of discussions about what Mira wanted to do with the story. So I think he's probably like the best qualified person to continue it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, you know, you can get to the end of Berserk or something like that. And if it's somebody else doing it, even if they're the most qualified, it's like, okay, well, I have an ending, but it's not necessarily the ending that sure. the visionary behind this had. So it's just a a bummer. I, I think in most cases, the point you know, is, pick it up people. a little bit. Come on, Mira. <laughs> Why why are you Scoot playing up. these dancing games all the time? Would you get it together? <laughs> um, no, I just I, I think in, in general, I, even if there's stories I don't necessarily like, if somebody has a broader story in mind that they want to tell, I just want them to be able to tell it. Yes. So um anyway, they filled that fucking drawer full of socks. It was the craziest <laughs> so many shit socks ever. in there. Oh, it's such an okay texture of socks. What's the deal with that lady in the house, by the way? Is she uh, Rio's like grandma? Or like a. Apparently, <laughs> oh, we got in the podcast. Oh, I don't know. Um, no, she she's apparently like just a, a live in maid. Just a housekeeper. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to look it up real quick because I looked this up a while ago on the Shinmu Wiki. Thanks, Mom. Oh, what was it? Inesan? Yes. Like, yeah, the way he says, like, her name made me think, like, not related, but. Uh, more commonly known as Inesan is the live in housekeeper at the Hazuki residence where she takes okay. care of basic running of the house. What uh, was she's up with a, the, she is a the mother dude. figure. He's just like, he's another student, right? Yes. Who just happens um, to live there, I guess. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, uh, Fukuhara. Fukusan. Sure. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. He's a live-in student at the Hazuki residence. Everybody's um, living everything at the yeah. Hazuki residence. Seems like a good gig. 
I want to say that there's some background. Oh, not seeing any of it on here. Maybe I made that up in my head to kind of justify. Why is he weird still there after Rio's dad died too? Like there was no teacher there anymore. He's was he a student of? We've all seen Fukusan. <laughs> He's not going to be able to survive in the real world alone. He needs charity. Yeah, that's a good point. Fukusan's going to be living with Ine-san until Ine-san is dead. <laughs> and Fukusan's going to inherit that house. And Mr. Shinmu is going to have no idea because he's going to be off in Hong Kong. That's been the Golden uh, Grismos. <laughs> The Golden Griswolds. I'm Jerry Davis. <laughs> I'm Gorge Brindle. Uh, well, until next year. Although, if you have happened upon this podcast and listened to it and enjoyed three hours whatever and fifteen have... minutes, oh god, oh Jesus! If you uh, endured all that, if you liked any of it, first of all, thank you. Second of all, we have a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure podcast called Stand and Deliver. Maybe you might like that. Yes, yeah, Stan Deliver is back. Uh, go check it out. Link in the description. Yeah. Uh, we'll be recording more of that this week. So, episodes going up uh, every Thursday? Thursday. Thursday okay. mornings, 12.01. Thursday mornings. On the dot. And uh, if Larry doesn't make that deadline, I will personally send you his home address and a list of all of his fears. Uh, yeah, George likes to keep track of that for some reason, which just makes me think he's uh, psychotic. Sometimes I just forget to upload them. They they don't uh, use terminology like that in uh, the psychiatric field anymore. There's a name for what I am. What? I'm not getting into that with you. We'll <laughs> <laughs> okay. keep you guessing. Uh, right. That's it. Uh, we'll we'll be back next year. We're, we'll talk about more video games. Jesus Christ. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>